from the high desert and the great American Southwest. I bid you all good evening or good morning, as the case may be, across all these many prolific time zones from the Hawaiian and Tahitian Island chains in the West to the Caribbean and the U.S. Virgin Islands, way out east. South into South America, north to the pole, and worldwide on the Internet, this is Coast to Coast AM. I'm Art Bell, and it is, believe me, great to be here this morning. And we will continue to be here, weather permitting. And when I say that, I really mean it. We have had some truly severe weather problems uh, connected with our network. As you know, or maybe you don't know, uh, we were struck by lightning here. Uh, actually struck by lightning. Boom! <laughs> and that um, took away some equipment that um, uh, surely um, does explain my absence last evening as we were working feverishly, living redone. And now, this evening, as we speak, our network facility... Uh, in Oregon is experiencing their own version of what I had and the lightning crackles and the storms uh, have been passing overhead uh, very violently indeed and you know it's it's synchronistic because uh, tonight's guest is Robert Ghostwolf he is a Native American and we're going to be talking to him a little bit about the weather the strange changing weather uh, as a matter of fact, um, at some point later in the program, no doubt we will hear from Stan Dale uh, in Australia, who has a very great deal to say about the weather and really called the building terrible El Nino in the Pacific. He called that one uh, right on the money. I want to tell you that tomorrow evening there is going to be a surprise guest with a surprise topic with Earth shaking ramifications and I am not going to disclose the nature of it beyond that so you do not want to miss what happens tomorrow evening that's one two on Friday night Saturday morning the following night we will hear from David Oates as promised with the reversals on Colonel Philip J Corso don't you wonder was he congruent? Was he telling us like it was? Well, we'll find out tomorrow night. That and a lot more with David John Oates as my guest, and of course, reverse speech, the topic, uh, Friday night, Saturday morning. Again, mark a big X. That, that would be appropriate. Mark a big X on the calendar for tomorrow night. You don't want to miss that, and certainly you're not going to want to miss what's about to occur with Robert Ghostwolf. Old friend, here he is, Robert Ghostwolf, uh, I believe from probably up near Spokane, Washington somewhere. Is that right? That's right, Art. Welcome to the program. Good to have you back. Good to be back. It's been a while. It's um, been a while. Robert, um, give us your background. You're Native American, and you're kind of a mixture Native, Native American. Aren't I'm what they call a metasort. Um, I'm a mixed blood. Uh, I have Lakota and Iroquois and European, and um, basically I have been working again with elders for 25 years, uh, going around, talking, and working, and collecting stones, and 
finding out different truths, and it's been a pretty incredible journey. Um, and dancing. And, and dancing. <laughs> you're, you're a, you're, dancing. you're um, a Native American dancer. Yes, and uh, basically I got caught up in, I guess about two years ago, because of the work that I was doing, and people heard what I was saying, and a lot of what we were probably going to be talking about tonight with the weather and all of that, I have out in my book, Last Cry, which I think you have a copy of. I do. It is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. I'm almost sorry. Is it going to come out in that same uh, in that same way as a, a final finished product? Because no, it'll be. It's going to be in a paperback next month. Next month. Oh next well. Next month it's going to be released. The distributors are releasing it in a paperback. Oh, we man. still have a few of the. Uh, Manuscripts left. Oh, those, those, let me tell you, it's one of the most beautiful manuscripts I've ever seen. The paperback is never going to live up to it. I'm sure it'll sell well, but it'll never live up to this. No, it won't. <laughs> <laughs> Being honest with people. But then there. again, I won't have to stay up until 3 o'clock in the morning hand assembling them. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's true. Oh, God, you do good work, man. You, you hand, us, hand assemble Each one of those is put together by hand. Oh, man. It's just startlingly beautiful. Thank you. And we'll tell everybody how to get it as the show goes on. All right, look, um, there's been a lot of water under the bridge in more ways than one since we last talked. There are things going on that I think are more than just initial little uh, canary-type warning signs for humanity. And I don't even know where to start. Uh, Linda Moulton Howe had an extended report on Dreamland this last Sunday that I repeated uh, a couple of nights ago on Fisteria. This, this cell from hell thing, uh, which was in the estuaries of North Carolina. Now it is spread into the ocean, uh, surviving very well, thank you, in the salt water. And there are millions, not hundreds of thousands, but millions of fish with large, open, bleeding sores dying um, off the coast. Now, that's a fact. This is uh, on the East Coast. Yeah, that's yeah, on the East Coast. And it's spreading up and down the coast at a very rapid pace. And worse yet, it's beginning to be transmitted to human beings uh, who now, um, in many areas, simply cannot any longer go in the water, period. And the only advice they're giving is, if you see dead fish, don't go in the water. Um, that is one item. Uh, you can look at Antarctica, where the ozone now um, is beginning to get so thick and so bad that they're getting actual uh, DNA changes in simple-celled organisms. Uh, school children have to wear uh, headgear when they go outside. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got frogs with a gazillion legs. I had a story of one with 11 legs the other day. I talked to Bob Crane earlier tonight, a couple hours ago. He lives up in Fortuna, California, up where the redwoods are. And he said, Art, I've never seen anything like it. The leaves are turning yellow and falling off the trees. He said, this has never, ever happened before. Um, my crops are ripening early. I just got a message from Salt Lake City saying the NBC affiliate there reported that Fish and Game has spotted migratory birds flying south already. Birds flying south in July, the middle of September maybe, but July... Seasons uh, don't fear the reaper. <laughs> in other words, everywhere you turn and look at Mother Nature and Earth, something's going on, Robert. Art, it's a show. Something's definitely going on. 
Um, I, I myself, just coming up from Arizona, um, up through Montana, there were flocks of geese flying south, so I will affirm that report. Yeah. I mean, whole flocks of geese flying south. Um, and what surprised me, too, when I was down in Arizona, which I didn't expect, was the, uh, well, I, I didn't see an 11 leg frog, but I, I did see a six leg frog. Great. And uh, jackrabbits were three and four years. Really? Um, yeah, jackrabbits were three and four years. I've never seen that. <clears throat> well, I've never seen it in the desert, which, which has really got me concerned, because if it's in the desert, then it's all over. You know, it's not just coming down a river. It's like, it's, it's just all over. It's just animal mutations, which goes back to your DNA uh, situation. Now, <clears throat> what I can say about it is, is that we are going through tremendous electromagnetic fluctuations of the poles. They're shifting. The, the poles on the sun are shifting. And this information has been coming out for a while. I know people say you're nuts. Uh, the poles are shifting wrong. I, right. I mean, I've been... Well, they've got to keep changing the, the flight patterns on the planes when they come in. Because I know. Because it keeps shifting. So they, they have to... It's, it, they, every few weeks, they have to adjust. They're beginning to notice quite a significant oscillation in uh, true north. Mm -hmm. uh, there's no question about that. I confirm that. And... Uh, with regard to the sun, um, there's also a very interesting thing going on, Robert. I'm a ham operator, and so I monitor very carefully uh, the sun cycle because, you know, when, when we have a good sun portion of the sun cycle, uh, ham radio is good, and uh, you can transmit long distances with very low power. Right. And we have all been waiting for this cycle to begin, and strangely, inexplicably, it has not begun. We are at the bottom, and we don't seem to be able to get off the bottom. So something's going on there, too. Mm -hmm. and, and the thing to understand is that we, or every form of life on this planet is affected by vibration, to put it simply. Um, scientists can tell what parasite is in your body by the frequency that it emits. Um, they can tell where there's a problem in an organ based on the frequency. Um, sound technology has really grown. As a matter of fact, when I was in, in Roswell, I was listening to uh, a, a man down there who maybe one day you might consider having on your show, David Adar. Um, he's a rocket scientist. He just spoke uh, before Congress about the project Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the interesting things that he brought out in, with, with his documents and photographs is um, that, well, what they're doing is they are building a factory in space for the purposes of manufacturing, at this point, different types of metal that can be formed by using sound and tone in zero gravity. Who is building a factory in space? Um, we would say the world governments. At this point, it's a, it's a conglomeration of Russia, the United States, Canada, and the European market. Um, it supported the experiments were supported very heavily by BMW, really, and Mercedes um, here to see how they could mold metal in zero gravity. And one of the phenomena that they found out that would happen under zero gravity is like when you make metal here, there are weak spots and and there are what they call hot spots in the metal and, and cold spots. Uh, basically, you take metal, you pour it into a cold form, and it reacts to the cold form, and then it settles, and it gets hot spots and cold spots. A little 
little flaws in everything that's produced. But in zero gravity, that doesn't occur. Plus, what happens is the perfect alignment of the uh, molecules, the molecular structure of the metal, creates a self-lubricating metal. Now, the implication of that would be that you could make engines that never wear out, that never right. need oil. A self-lubricating metal. And this is quite an incredible uh, project that's going on that I don't think most of us are aware of. I haven't seen it in the news myself, um, which would have tremendous implications on, on industry. It's yes, just, it would. You know, I mean, I, I, from what David was showing us, there would be absolutely no problem in us manufacturing the same kind of metal uh, confirmations that we saw in, in uh, the pieces of scrap that were found at Roswell, with the folds and the metal, the seven layers. Sure. Um, in zero gravity, that can be attained. So, again, it goes into frequency. Well, with what we are doing presently to our planet, we had better be exploring and looking for other places to live. <laughs> what, uh, you, you consult with elders. Yes. Uh, what do the elders tell you? I mean, if anybody would know and feel what's going on, it would be Native Americans uh, with the Earth. They're closer than any of us. What do they know? What do they feel? That we are in the final days of this dream, um, that we are at a point where we have absolute choice in the outcome of what's going to occur. However, we have to now face the <clears throat> karma of everything that we have done up to this point. Um, we cannot escape the deeds of our thoughts, nor can we escape the deeds of our actions. Uh, there are uh, many reasons why the earth is cattywampus, is an old word. At this point, we have done a tremendous amount of genetic manipulation in, in laboratories, and we have let some of these creatures go, uh, whether they were microbiotic or whether they were insect. Um, I mean, I have seen so many different kinds of insects in the desert lately. I don't know if you've been out looking at bugs, but you can learn a lot looking at bugs. You can learn a lot. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of really strange-looking bugs. Like, I don't care what books you look at. There is nothing to define what these things are. Uh, up in Montana, I was shown uh, a, a new kind of, they call it a, a bee fly. It's sort of like a bumblebee with a head of a fly. Wonderful. And I was like, well, they did say that new forms of life would be appearing. And I knew that new, life's, new, new life forms were appearing as far as uh, microbiotic life in the ocean. I know that the plankton was, was mutating. And uh, this DNA structural change, that the reasons for this DNA structural change have to do, one, with, with frequency, and two, with the toxicity that we have basically buried all over this earth. You, you, you can't keep eating poison without having an effect. And so we're dealing with now, what, 50 years since World War II, yes, basically? And what, but what did they do with all the chemicals after World War II, or a large amount of them, was they created, you know, all sorts of phenomenal insecticides so that we could grow crops without insects and bugs. Yes. And so now we've been eating that and, and for 50 years. And so has everything else. Now, 
this is a direct reason for seeing a lot of these physical mutations in life. Interestingly, the Visteria I mentioned with the millions of fish, what's mm -hmm. happening to those fish is when they die, they're being eaten by the birds. Yes. Now, that's going to lead to a change for the birds. I don't know who eats the birds, but I mean, that's the way it works, isn't it? It's a sort of change. You're going to have a change in the birds. The birds fly over. They leave their droppings. The little berry trees grow from their droppings. And they turn into little berry bushes, and the bears eat the berry bushes, and then you may have a five-legged bear. Um, we're seeing a lot of that. We're also seeing a lot of, <clears throat> uh, from the, the elders' point of view, what you're seeing is that the, the balance in nature has been so damaged and thrown out of balance that there is not, <clears throat> by the cutting of grandfather trees, by the wholesale slaughtering of whole species of animals, by by programs uh, that are being initiated to restore wildlife to certain areas, but it's not being done in balance. It's, it's, there's a lot that needs to be looked at before you start to bring wolves back to a certain area, or what kind of wolf are you bringing back? Uh, for instance, in um, New Mexico, I, I know that they're, they're bringing back the red wolf, and the, the red Mexican wolf is actually a coyote hybrid. It's not a wolf. So it doesn't really belong in that area. And then you go to another area and you chop down a certain type of tree and then you plant another tree because it's a good timber crop. But that's not necessarily what would have grown there. This is throwing everything out of whack to such a degree that now the animals themselves no longer can relate to the consciousness of the animal world. They're now picking up, now this is interesting, they are picking up human traits. And I said, well, what do you mean they're picking up human traits? Yeah, what do you And mean? they're saying, well, they're becoming vicious. They're fighting with each other. There's cannibalism going on in the forest. This has never been heard of before. So it's sort of like the way we fight with each other and tear each other down and yeah. picking up our attitudes. There is a true, profound, basic change going on. And, and one of the things that uh, I, I, I remember Hopi Older saying to me once, he said, one day, when the final days come, he says, you'll be taking a picnic, and the rabbits will turn around and attack you. And it was it just a few weeks ago that we heard a story about some children down in Arizona being attacked by coyotes? I mean, that's never been heard of. Coyotes usually a mile away from people. Oh, they don't like people at all. The coyotes out here, the yotes out here um, are very shy, and they will go way out of their way to get out of your way, or at least that's the way it's always been. And I hope it stays that way here, because we got a lot of them. Robert, hold on. We're at the bottom of the hour. Uh, when we come back, I want to ask you about something called the ghost dance, all right? You got it. All right, stay right there. Robert Ghost Wolf is my guest, and we are just beginning. on the wild card line at 702-727-1295. That's 
727-1295. First-time callers can reach Art Bell at 702-727-1222. 702-727-1222. Now, here again, Art Bell. Uh, now, again, uh, Native American, Lakota, Iroquois, Little European, uh, Robert Ghost Wolf. Robert, um, what is the ghost, what is ghost dance? That's a long story, but we'll try to make it short for the listeners. All right. Um, there's, there's a lot of stories about the ghost dance, and I think most of the people are familiar with the story of, of, of the ghost dance as it was remembered, unfortunately, in, in, in a bad occurrence at Wounded Knee where the Lakota were going to a ghost dance and they were basically massacred just a few days before Christmas. That led from a movement that was going through America uh, around 1890s, late 1880s, uh, that was coined in the Eastern newspapers as the Messiah Movement, um, which was originated by a Paiute medicine man, uh, Wavoka, whose, uh, I, I just found out the other day, uh, his grandson is alive and well, and uh, will be attending the ghost dance that we're, we're going to be doing in Montana here in a few weeks. Um, the the ghost dance has to do with um, if the sun dance is is a male energy, then the ghost dance is a feminine energy. Okay. The the ghost dance has to do with with the raising of spirituality and 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 coming into a peaceful way of changing things when they have reached the point that they must be changed. When you have reached a paradigm that can no longer go any farther. Oh my. When everything that it keeps touching becomes self-destructive, then something's got to change. And what's got to change in order to affect a good outcome has, has got to basically be a global vision. It's got to be a unified vision. In my research on, on the ghost dance, and as I, I traveled, I was very, very surprised, Art, to find out that there were many, many stories about ghost dance or a ceremony that could be the same as the ghost dance all over the world. Um, I found stories from the Maori in New Zealand, from the Inca in Peru, from uh, the Mayans down in Central America, um, and from various tribes all here in North America, um, each one having their own story of a ghost dance and the fact that in fact it all tied to a prophet that seemed to have um, it was the same prophet that spoke to all of these people um, this occurred approximately 2,000 years ago and this prophet brought forth a, a teaching of, of, of love and humanity and caring for each other and uh, putting war-like tendencies aside, uh, putting our, our killer instincts, warrior instincts down and working with things in another fashion. The ghost dance that we're holding now uh, will be the first of five. I've been asked to do one in Hawaii with the Kahunas and the Incas and, um, in, in November. And then we're going to be doing one in Peru. We've been asked to do one in Peru in uh, February. And so the, the what, other ones... Robert, what does it really mean? What does the ghost dance really mean? It means, what does the ghost dance mean? The ghost dance means that we move 
through time and space, we collapse time. I'm using contemporary jargon now. So that there is no past, there is no future. We totally connect to the spirits of our ancestors, which are, in fact, us. We connect to the energy that we were, not the energy that we are. Considering in this point in time, we have come to a degenerative energy. We are, we, we are degenerating as a social and spiritual being on this plane. We are falling apart. There's a malaise everywhere. We don't have to go into the obvious. It's going on everywhere. <laughs> but it's, it's like, you know, it's, it's like it can be a doom and gloom story. And it's, it's like we, we have simply reached a point where we have to reconnect with our spirituality. And from what the work that I am doing with the elders on this, this must be a unified effort. It is, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of, realizing what you were talking about a few nights ago with uh, Dan and Brinkley. Um, you know, it's, we, once you've been to the other side, once you see the connection to the foreverness of what you are, then you can draw the power to change what you're in now. But if all you see is what is you are in now, if the only dream you have, if the only vision that you have is shrouded by negativity and pessimism and self-doubt, then how can you possibly create something new? You have to move to another place to see something new. Um, is that the same way, uh, is, the, is that like saying there has to be a change before the new beginning? Yes, there has to be a change before the new beginning. Um, now, the... The other stories about the ghost dance, and there are many, there are hundreds of, of stories, and it's not a well-known story. There, you could probably travel for 30 years, because I have, and find maybe one elder in one area who remembers or is known or was given the stories of the ghost dance that was given a piece of the ghost dance. Maybe one elder was given an altar. Maybe another elder was given songs. Another elder knows the dances. Another elder knows the stories. Each one knows a part. There's a, 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 a wonderful situation that's created by that in, in that it takes the gathering of all people together to create this. In this time, it was felt that we have, when you asked me the original question a little while ago, what are the elders saying? Yeah. What the elders are saying is that we're at the end of the dream. The dream that we have dreamed thus far can go no farther. It is exhausted. There is nothing new. There is no life coming out of the dream. There's no creativity coming out of the dream. The children aren't being fed. The elders aren't being fed. The earth isn't being taken care of. We are going in a spiral where we are more and more with the passing of each moment and each day out of sync with ourselves and our relationships with the earth. It's reached the point now where we, we can't even drink the water that used to cure us because it's tainted. We can't even go collect the herbs because they're not there. In many places where we go to collect the healing herbs, they're not there anymore. They're simply not growing. So when you reach a point that everything, and, and everyone's got cancer, and, and what is cancer but the absolute rebellion of the human cells against life itself? And when your cells rebel against you, it's like that's the final warning. There's no place to go from here. So the, what the ghost dance does, the word ghost is, I think, more or less a term that was put out of translation. It would, my remembrances of what the elders spoke about in their languages, it would be more like the spirit dance. 
dance with the beings beyond, where we literally connect to our inner spirits and bring out the strength of what that is. We change consciousness by will. It's strange that you should mention cancer, because uh, the American Cancer Society has had a lot of money in a long time, and they've been making a lot of promises, but the fact of the matter is, if you really look at the statistics, for example, non-related uh, cancers of the lungs and so forth, non-smoking-related cancers for men since World War II are up 300%. 300%. Now, this is not a battle that it sounds like we're winning, uh, despite the best, uh, most optimistic statements of the American Cancer Society, you're quite right. Cancer is on the increase in, in many forms. Isn't cancer, isn't what's going on in the ocean cancer? Well, cancer... I mean, if we look at the Earth as, as, as a sentient being... I'm, I'm not a doctor, uh, Robert, but cancer is an uncontrolled growth of cells, out-of-control growth of cells. Okay. Not being a doctor, I'll share with you. Yes, it is. But is it also not the characteristic of cancer to destroy the very host that gives it life? Correct. And, if, and if, so if we, we look at the, the, the characteristic of it, if you look at the behavior of it, is that not what is happening throughout the world? That the fact that the oceans are now destroying the very thing that gives it life. Yes. Yes. So we're seeing we're seeing it in the woods. We're seeing it in the trees. Where whether you whatever you want to call that the trees are dying from now, um, and and it's filtering down through all life forms. And we're seeing the mutation of genetics, DNA. We're seeing the mutation of the very substance that makes up what that being is. Whatever that whether it's the chicken or the egg that we eat or the fish that we eat or the vegetable that we eat, we're then taking in that mutated gene or that mutated cell, and it in turn is giving us cancer. Well, uh, we're eating ourselves. Yeah, yeah, we are. Referring to a couple of things, um, a lot of people have suggested that these mutated frogs and so forth are a result of some sort, perhaps they say, some sort of parasite, and that may explain it. Uh, it does not explain why it's occurring not just here, but worldwide. In Japan, in Europe, it's occurring everywhere. Parasites tend to be a more localized problem. Uh, and so at the end of the day, they say, well, we think it could or might be parasites, but we really don't know. With regard to the hysteria causing millions of fish to die, this is apparent. It's called the cell from hell. And this is a little jewel that apparently, according to Linda Moulton Howe and other scientists, lies at the bottom of fresh or salt water and waits like a little ticking bacteriological time bomb. And when enough pollutants, pesticides, reach it, it activates, it comes alive, and it begins eating living things, yes. fish, human flesh, that kind of thing. That's what's going on. That's a mutated life form. Yes. And it also, that would support uh, Bouchon's theory, where we go to um, medicine. We basically come from two schools of thought. You, you have Louis Pasteur and monomorphism, and then you, you have Bouchon, who's got pluromorphism, which is that life will adapt and take on many forms.
and it will it, it, it when when we die they put us in a little box and they seal it up hermetically and we spend a lot of money for that and, and then they put us into the ground and if you were to go back a couple of months later and pick up that box you would find all sorts of creepy crawlies in there yeah where, where do they come from I mean, everything was taken out the blood was taken out formaldehyde was put in everything was taken out that would sustain life and yet life mutates and all of a sudden you have a new life form if you go to places that I've been shown where they dump nuclear waste and some of these things are leaking and there's nothing growing and nothing can grow yes what you'll see the first you'll see mutated life forms coming up out of the nuclear waste you'll see bacteria growing on the nuclear waste let me tell you my friend you're exactly right I talked to a Newsweek reporter um, on the QT earlier today who said that uh, they are observing some really horrid little things that are occurring and I'm going to be reporting on this at a certain place where uh, nuclear waste is being simply dumped into water supplies it's unbelievable yeah it's scary. <laughs> it's unbelievable and uh, the contamination that's going on and I know this makes us sound like radical environmentalists but I think that there is nothing um, radical about simply observing what's going on now you can put a spin on it or you can report on it honestly and I have been trying to report on it honestly and what I see is profound and awful and it seems to me that there is a, a tremendous event just down line a little bit and maybe that's kind of what ghost dance is all about uh, maybe it's uh, it's it's this coming change well it's like we're we are a life form you and I and we're, we're, we're a life form and when the environment becomes such that that life form can no longer exist then what's going to happen is that that life form is going to take a hollow leap it's going to take a jump it's going to mutate and that's what and that's what's happening and, and we what we're going through is the experiencing of it happening on so many different levels at once all right I want my audience to hear something this is too synchronistic not to do you heard it months ago it's my favorite group in all the world a Robert so rest for a moment this ladies and gentlemen after our discussion uh, I think you ought to hear this is Cusco. No, it isn't. That's not Cusco. <laughs> that isn't what I want. That's a very nice song, but that isn't what I want. This is Cusco, and uh, this is something called Ghost Dance. And I'm going to do something I don't normally do, and I'm going to let it go. Listen very carefully. Michael Holm and Cusco, it's called Ghost Dance.
the high desert, this is CBC. AM with Art Bell. Listeners west of the Rockies can call Art toll-free by dialing 1-800-618-8255. If you're east of the Rockies, the toll-free number is 800-825-5033. If you've never called Art before, you may use the first-time caller line at area code 702-727-1222. And the wild card line is area code 702 702- 727-1295. When you get through, let it ring, and Art will answer your call in order on the air. This is the CBC Radio Network. West of the Rockies at 1-800-618-8255. 1-800-618-8255. East of the Rockies at 1-800-825-5033. 1-800-825-5033. This is the CBC Radio Network. desert that's ghost dance that's Cusco it's return to Native America the first cut on a Permac 3 nobody can get it yet <laughs> but I've got good relationship with those folks and uh, IROC have sent that to me and it's too synchronistic not to be into this night my guest is Robert Ghostwolf, and we'll get back to him shortly we're talking about the state of the earth no less than the state of the earth. Uh, once again, here is Robert Ghostwolf. Robert. Yes. Uh, how did you like Ghost Dance? <clears throat> I love it. <laughs> I think it's a really intriguing piece. And and, and, and again, it's. Uh, I, I believe the group comes out of Germany, don't they? Um, interestingly, absolutely yes. Uh, they come out of Germany, which is just it's 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 another affirmation that 
there is a, a global cry going out for something to happen with the human spirit. Uh, not People don't really want to sit back and listen to metaphysical rhetoric anymore. They, they want to see something happen. And, you know, when we work with those drums and we dance, it brings us into a trance. It brings us into another level. And the drum is the oldest instrument that we have. It's, it's been a brother to the human race for a long time. And the dance frees all of the bodies. It frees the mental body, the spiritual body, the physical body, and brings them into a unity. And this is part of what we're hoping with the, with the ghost dance, that everyone, if we can get everyone, and I know that there's some people out there who don't want everyone. They, they would rather that the world didn't know about it. They would rather that the world didn't do the ghost dance, that everybody didn't wake up. Uh, and I think that based on the letter that you just read, one of the concerning problems that we have is not necessarily the condition. We can see the condition, but we have the ability to change the condition. What we don't seem to have anymore is the attitude to want to change the condition. We just go, oh, yeah, okay, and then we hop in our car and go to work at the computer factory. We are not, something's got to happen to wake up the fire in humanity to realize that we do have the power to change things. We can change the earth in, in, in a very short period of time. There are things going on right now, Art, with technology that are being worked. You know, technology is not an evil thing. It's an incredible thing if it's used in the proper manner. And there's technology going on right now that, that we can literally alter the Earth's atmosphere and bring it back to where it was a thousand years ago, ten thousand years ago. We can, we, can, we can replace it. There are experiments going on in Mexico City where this was proven that we could reverse the pollution, we could reverse all of this. So the concern really is how do we change the attitude of complacency to an attitude of positive shift? How do we? we? We we simply have to, you know, we can only talk so much. That's the great thing about a dance. We can only talk so much and then we dance. We purify, we go through sweat lodge or whatever our purification means, or it doesn't matter because the Tibetan is going to do it different than the Hindu, who's going to do it different than the Inca, who's going to do it different than the Cherokee, who's going to do it different than the Chilean priest. Um, I was talking to uh, a, a man from Japan who is, he simply said he was a spiritual elder, and he was telling me about a school that they have over there in northern Japan, which basically translates to the school of the green dragon. Hmm. And to graduate from this school, what one must do is they must hold within their hands a seed, and they must, through the will of their consciousness, make this seed germinate and grow and turn into a plant in a matter of a few minutes. And this is what they do. They can do that? The powers of the human mind are absolutely unlimited. This is one of the initiations that you go through with this particular uh, group before you are considered a green dragon priest. Um, we have the ability to change anything that we deal with with our minds simply by the way we look at it. I mean, it's, it's, on the one hand, we can say, the waters are polluted, this is happening. At the same time, it's like it's giving us a warning that there's something to be done, and we can do it. But why don't we want to do it? This is what's making the elders wonder. 
that I speak to. It's like, well, what's happening to people? People are just laying down. They're not fighting. They don't want to change situations. They, they keep talking about all the stuff that's poisoning us in our food, but they don't want to go out and they don't want to grow a garden. I know. So, like, you know, how can you complain about what you're getting from the supermarket when all you have to do is go out in your backyard and plant a 10 by 10 lot in that plot and you would have enough to eat for the whole year? Could it be that people, um, I, 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 what's the right word? What's the right word to put this? People have accepted the fact that the change is going to occur and they're simply apathetic about it. Uh, in, in their hearts, I mean, I wrote a book, as you know, called The Quickening. Mm -hmm. And I know that's going on, and most of my audience knows it's going on. It documents what's happening. It doesn't say what's going to happen, because I don't know. You more likely would have knowledge about that. I, I just know what's, what's happening. Uh, but I wonder if people have sort of just accepted this as one of those things that's so far beyond the realm of their personal ability to create change, that they just they throw up their hands and they're just going to sit back and become spectators. I think it's a syndrome of the communication age. We're being so over inundated right now with information yep. that we almost feel powerless to do anything. It can almost put us in a paralytic situation. It's like you're hearing about all of these things going on, so what happens is that the human being tends to just shut off. They shut down. Yeah. It's like, well, what can I possibly do? What, what effect could I How can I get this letter to Bruce Babbitt? Yeah. How, and why would Bruce Babbitt listen to me? And even if I did get the letter, what would it do? And the, this is part of what somehow everyone has got to change simply by wanting it to change, simply by participating more and, and working more with other people. It's, it's work, people working with people. We're in a society now here in, in North America where we have every culture and every religion in the world here. I mean, you almost don't even have to go out to the rest of the world. It's all here. It is. Whatever right. you would want to find, it's, it's here. And if you, even the Dalai Lama is here. I mean, whatever you want to find, it's here. And that's a tremendous opportunity for people to learn about how to, how to participate and how to understand and broaden their visions. So, because if we don't work together as a humanity, if we, we are now, I mean, how many sightings have been seen just over the last 60 days across the world, never mind just America? Increasing numbers. It's, it, it, like, it's, it's hundreds. It's like every day you get on and you're hearing something, another phenomenon. May I ask you about the crop circles? Um, yeah. We've done a lot on this program with regard to crop circles lately, Robert. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, there are yeah, some incredible oh, crop circles up there. God, unbelievable. And we've only got a few. I mean, this season, the crop circles ostensibly began in about uh, 1989 or 90 with very simple formations. Mm -hmm. In every year, they've become more complex and more frequent. And this year, I, you don't want to use the phrase out of control, I guess, but... Um, it's almost out of control. They're occurring so quickly, and they are so complex, that we cannot even keep up with them on my website, where we try to chronicle these things. I would urge everybody to go up and take a look. They're astounding. Have you seen the most recent? Yes, I, yes, I have. They're, they're, they're absolutely amazing. Um, I, I don't think that Ben and Jerry are doing this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Ben and Jerry are ice cream guys. I think it was... Uh, 
or whoever. And uh, uh, anyway, I know they're but not. But they, they, they are. They're, they're happening with such frequency in so many areas all over. It, it, it's almost like it's 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 almost like it's become a game. It's like we turn around and, and we say, well, we know who did this, and, and, and this was done this way, and this, this well, well, there was this technology that was used this way, and they probably used some sort of computers here. To, and then it's like what happens is a few days later, whatever or whoever is causing these things to happen, simply go, well, okay, deal with this. And then all of a sudden we'll see 12 of them come on. Yes. Of the most incredible geometry that, that you could conceive. And there, there's so many variations in that. I mean, some of those things that you had up there were like snowflakes. Oh, yeah. Um, you have sacred geometry all over the place. Um, there, there's, there's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, I haven't even had time. I've been so inundated at looking at them. But there's a lot of similarities between some of those shapes and electronic symbols. There's a lot of similarities between some of those shapes that I'm seeing and sacred geometry and DNA. The symbols mm -hmm. that are used for DNA. That's correct. Yes. And and uh, and it's just like art. is like ten, twelve a week. I know. When I was coming up a few weeks ago from uh, the second crash at Roswell, um, which was that, that was quite a story. Roswell was funny. But when I was coming up, I was driving through Logan, Utah, and within a period of six days, they had five of them appear. That's right. Five of them appear, and people were just sitting here looking, and you really didn't know what to say. I had the opportunity to walk through four of them, um, and the four that I walked through, uh, based on the information that we have on, on how we can tell whether it's a crop circle or whether it might have been manipulated. I mean, the way the stalks were, were, were bent over and not broken. Um, and the way the little nubs around where each section of the plant goes through a growing, growing spurt were swollen as if affected by some sort of heat, and the way magnets would disorientate yes. when, you're, when you're in those areas, and then what happens to you uh, physically when you're standing in one of those. It seems, from what I've seen from physical experience of walking in them, that within four days the, the energy starts to dissipate. But when you get into one, if you're fortunate enough to get into one that, that has just formed or that is within two or three days old, it's like what happens to the magnets and what, what happens to your mind, you just like open up to all sorts of thoughts. You know, it's, it's really a phenomenon. And meanwhile, here on Earth, uh, at 1 o'clock yesterday, bombs went off. People committed suicide to kill civilians in Jerusalem. Two suicide bombers. 18 Israelis uh, dead, scores wounded. Uh, this is an area that's getting ready, I'm afraid, to explode again. They thought they had it all under control, the peace process. There is no peace process. The Arabs want the Israelis dead. Uh, that hasn't changed. Uh, Yasser Arafat either doesn't have control or doesn't want to control what his people are doing. Uh, the Middle East is ready to go up in flames. I can feel it in my bones. And um, I just, uh, Robert, don't see mankind uh, treating mankind any any better. I don't see an improvement. All right. For the most part, I would have to agree. But at the same time, I see these incredible 
things happening through the cracks of the confusion, if that makes any sense. It's almost like everything's fracturing, but through the fractures, I'm seeing little glimpses of light. I'm seeing incredible work being done by people. Um, I mean, Dannon's doing incredible work with people. Absolutely. And, and, and people are just responding to this. We, 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 it, 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 if, if there's a similarity in the work that we do, it's taking fear out of people. It's like there really isn't any reason to fear. It's like, you know, like Dannon says, you know, hey, look, I did this twice. There's nothing to it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's, it's you know, we, we are so disempowered as a people. We have become so disempowered. It's a global situation. I don't think it's a local situation. We have become so disempowered as a people. And, you know, in here in, in, in America, um, you know, whatever happened to that statement that was, you know, the pioneer spirit, um, what, what happened to that drive? What people have lost is their drive, you know. Um, and goals. And, and, and goals because they, they see no vision of the future. There was a day in America where we always had something out in front of us. You know, we were, were going to um, win a war, uh, an important and moral war uh, for the world. And we had a goal. There was a day when we decided, you know, we were going to go to the moon. And it took the better part of a decade. But we did it. Now we don't set goals like that anymore. Uh, the biggest goal most Americans seem to have is to get to Friday or Saturday. Yeah. You know, the end of the week, so they can sit down in front of the TV and do whatever they're going to do. Wouldn't it be great to create a goal where people actually flourished in peace? Wouldn't that be an incredible goal? Yeah, that, that would be so. I mean, it goal. seems like somehow the human animal has lost the ability to live in peace. The only time that we feel confident that something is happening is if we're creating something under pressure, under stress, or for war. If we're a country, we try to create a war, and we create a justification for why we're moving, and it shoots the blood back to industry. Um, if, if, there's, if, if we're just living in peace, people don't know how to live in peace anymore. They, is don't, it our, they don't know how to enjoy them. Maybe it is our basic nature, and I've wondered about this frequently. We are a warrior people. Even your ancestors were warrior people. And maybe it's our basic nature, and maybe that isn't going to change, and maybe that is going to, in the end, dictate our uh, future or lack of it. I don't know. Can, can, you, can you make that kind of profound change in people who are basically warriors? Listen, it's the bottom of the hour, and that's something to contemplate for a few minutes, so hold on. My guest is Robert Ghostwolf. Um, I would think that uh, you'd want to sit down and listen very carefully. And yes, we will get the phone lines open shortly. Robert is a Native American, but he's really no different than any of the rest of you. Oh, by the way, uh, my book, which I have authored, called The Quickening, is available nationwide. Barnes and Noble, bookstores, and more. Go into a bookstore and ask for it. It's called The Quickening by Art Bell. In all bookstores now, nationwide.
Art Bell is taking calls on the wild card line at 702-727-1295. That's 702-727-1295. First-time callers can reach Art Bell at 702-727-1222. 702-727-1222. Now, here again... Art Bell. Once again, here I am. Good morning, everybody. My guest is Robert Ghost Wolf. He'll be back in a moment. We will soon begin taking calls. I think this will be uh, resonant with what we have just been discussing. Art, remember, uh, first of all, let me tell you, remember we were talking about uh, how people, I think, feel powerless to change and they have become observers? This is typical. Art, you know what I hate about environmentalists? They keep using the word we. This collective we implies that we actually have control over what they, in quotes, do. And by they, I mean those who actually control this country and most of the world. So here's somebody who clearly feels that they are doing this to us, and we, a misnomer in his opinion, have absolutely no control over it. That's uh, Frank from wherever um, he said this, uh, in Oregon, I believe. So there you go, uh, Robert. Uh, typical. Yeah, but, you know, I'd like to say to Frank that they control only what we no longer are concerned with. You should think about that thought. Hmm. When, when we no longer participate, someone's going to take care of it. When we no longer are concerned about what's happening with our national forests, uh, someone else is going to take care of it. When we suddenly hear that, and it was, what, a few weeks ago, that basically, essentially, all of the national parks are now under the control of the UN. I mean, that, that like, shed this shockwave. Mm-hmm. And uh, or, or we start to hear about the slaughter of the buffalo in Montana, which, by the way, is that's quite a story. I'm going to have a story up on my website about it. It's underway now, isn't it? Yeah, they're getting paid $500 a head for each buffalo they kill. <laughs> I mean, there's an incredible corruption story involved here. Um, but, you know, w- people are, I- if you're taking a move to do something, then there's no longer a they to do anything to the we. It, it, it's when the we lays back and they hide their head like they, they use ostrich medicine that they are in control. Uh, let us discuss for a second what Hopi prophecy, what uh, Native American prophecy in general has to say about what is going to happen. Okay. Um, I'll do that. If you let me give one message to you, because I just got a letter here from my staff. Yeah, fire away. There's 50 manuscripts left. 50 manuscripts. 50 manuscripts left, and, and they can get that up on my website. His manuscripts are the single most beautiful thing that has ever been delivered under my hands. I'm not kidding, folks. These are beautiful, but there's only 50. There's 50 left, and then they're going to have to wait for the book. Huh. Um, well, right, I could, well, maybe I could just tell them where they could contact us on that. Oh, you can. Uh, for, you ought to know that we've got a link up, of course, from my website to yours. Oh, okay. So then they can just go right to the Wolf Lodge site. Yep. Right from your site, or yep. they can they can call us at, at 509. Wait a minute. 509 465 465 1606. 
What is the name of your manuscript? And uh, it's called Last Cry: Native American Prophecies, Tales of the End Times. Um, it's quite extensive. It has many, many of the Native American prophecies, both contemporary and historical. And you put those together by hand. Each one's put together by hand, and and the book took five years in the making. I've never seen, and I've seen a lot of very good stuff, but I've never seen anything of that kind of quality. It was, uh, it was amazing. I mean, I just sat there and I went, "Wow." Well, and anybody who calls up tonight and lets us mentions your name, we're going to uh, include a special section in there on the ghost dance, which will have the whole story of the ghost dance, really? which basically has not been told. So that'll be, and and the ghost dance, by the way, is a story of the quickening. When? Oh, I hear you. When can they uh, call this number? Uh, they can call right now. There's there's people on the phones now. All right. Zero nine four six five one six zero six. Let me give it again. Area code five zero nine. No, I'll give it. Uh, let me give it. Okay. Five zero nine. Area code. The number is four six five one six zero six. But I'll tell you something. Uh, the 50 are going to be gone like in a couple of hours. Then Probably. One. Yeah. Then that's it until the book, huh? That's it for now. Um, the Hopis. Yes. There are a lot of Hopi prophecies. They go on endless. We could spend a whole night just talking about the Hopi prophecies. Um, but the ones that deal with this specific time, the ones that I speak about on Last Cry... And uh, it looks like I might even come out with a volume two, um, because there wasn't enough. This, there wasn't enough. There was too much to put into the book, into one book. What what they see now at at this time is that basically we have sometime between now and the year 2003, we're going to experience a major shift in energy, whether that's due to the various predictions about electromagnetic fields fluctuating. Uh, there are stories about going into the three days of darkness. Um, yes, we will go into three to three and a half days of darkness. When uh, Can you lay out timeline? To, I mean, that's very serious. Three, three and a half days of darkness. I, uh, You know, it's funny. I once asked on the air, and somebody brought this up the other day. I asked the audience, what would happen if you woke up one morning? And you looked outside, and you looked at the clock, and the sun should be up, and the sun didn't come up. Well, worldwide, there would be absolute, complete chaos. And I'm not talking about three days here. I'm talking about the half of the first day when the sun didn't come up. First 45 minutes. You got it. The first 45 minutes. Uh, there would be riots, looting, killing, rampaging. It would be horrible. People would figure it's the end of everything, and of course they might be right, I don't know, but um, when might this three days of darkness come? I'll give you some linear dates, um, and they're approximate dates. The reason why they're approximate is not to be evasive or cute. It's that what we are experiencing now is the collapsing of time. We are, we are experiencing the collapsing of our perception of time. As the energies fluctuate and change, we ourselves are going in and out of periods of no time, lost time. Uh, we're moving in and out of past life recall. We are moving in and out of 
recall of different events in our lives. Sometimes we're lost for a couple of hours just remembering something that happened in an experience a few years ago in a relationship. We're, we're losing our sense of time. Um, there, there's an, an increase in um, Alzheimer's disease, I know. Uh, which is, is frightening. Uh, basically, said from what I've read, 70% of the people over 60 have Alzheimer's disease. I mean, that's frightening statistics, and that comes from the doctors. It doesn't come from it. Some might argue that the reason for that is because we are collectively living longer, uh, and I suppose that's some of it. But are you suggesting that Alzheimer's as a percentage uh, for any given age group is increasing? Yes. As is cancer. I'm seeing it in youth, too. I mean, people are losing time. Age is no longer a barrier. It's, it's no longer a requirement. It's not a prerequisite. It's like you don't have to hit 30 to hit it or 40. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm seeing it in teenagers, you know. I'm like, where were you? What, what? what were you thinking about? What were you doing there for four hours? So, yeah, uh, it's, I think, from what I've studied and what I've experienced, it has to do with the fact that we are losing our minerals in our water, in our food. Interesting. And the minerals in the blood are what carry the information. So if we're losing that which keeps us alive, we no longer have that which can record the information. It would be like going to a tape on a tape recorder and going over it with a magnet and just changing things around and moving it. It's nothing. really, really interesting you should mention that because, Dan, as you well know, Daniel came to visit me. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the major messages he brought me, that we are um, losing our minerals, that in order to be healthy today, you've got to have all kinds of mineral supplements. He talked to me about zinc and lots of other things. And well, we require a lot more today than we did 30 years ago. We're, we're dealing with so much more information. We're de de dealing with, with, with a heightened metabolic rate of the human body. Um, so, yeah, it's like essential, essential, essential. And we're getting less and less and less and less and less. All right. The Hopi, again, talk Let's about go to the Hopi. three days of darkness. We're talking that we're going to see a tremendous amount of social strife right now as things start to break down, as structures start to break down. They're all breaking down. These are no longer prophecies of things to come. They're now... They're, they're now explanations of what we are experiencing. Yes. We are experiencing financial structures, science community, can no longer explain the phenomenons that are going on in the skies and in the earth. Where we, we are, the financial institutions are, are basically crumbling and, and running out of dodge, trying to figure out what to do. Um, we, we have more and more people who, it's, it's, it's scary how many people are homeless now across the whole nation, and we're supposed to be the best, strongest, wealthiest nation. And we're talking thousands and thousands of people that I'm seeing. Um, we, we are experiencing the breaking down of, of religious structures. And because of these fracturing of the structures, we are experiencing massive global fear, the beginning of the pandemonium. Even Father Malachi Martin, a Catholic priest, uh, talked of days of darkness to come. So a very different religion, a very different discipline, but the same message, darkness to come. Now we are to, that will be going on over the next four revelations of the sun, the four changes of seasons, in other words, four years. 
we are going to experience here in, in, in America a lot of crop failures, major crop failures. We're talking about where there were dry desert land, you're going to see unbelievable floods. Where you plant your crops, you're going to see all of a sudden, three weeks later, they start to bloom. And you know that they're not ready to bloom and they're ready to take it, so you're going to see crop failures. All right, here we go again. Uh, in a conversation I had, Bob Crane is a sponsor. He's been with me for years and a very good friend. Not only did he tell me the redwoods are beginning to drop their leaves, but he said, and I can't remember the crop, he said the crop that I have here is beginning to come in now like two months ahead of time or something. And it shouldn't be. It's ridiculous. He said there are things going on in Northern California right now that just absolutely don't make sense. I don't think it's just restricted to Northern California. I've heard the same stories up in Minnesota. Um, but we're going to see this because the weather doesn't know what it's doing anymore. You know, uh, the reasons, I don't want to get into the reasons or I'll lose the linear flow yeah. of where we're going, but we're going to experience this in the next three to four years, which is all going to increase the the tension, which is going to increase the hysteria, which is going to in, in, increase the, the, the fear level unless we move beyond that. And then we, we have a situation where we're moving into the natural course of events. Yes, we are going to see sometime in 1998, 1998 is supposed to be the kickoff for the earth changes. It's going to be the kickoff for the vibrational changes. These are going to continue to intensify until basically around the year 2003, which is when the major shifts will happen. When these major shifts happen, it is very feasible at any point after that, what we're looking at is possibly between 2003 and 2007, we will go into the complete shifting of the poles and a complete paradigm shift of energy, which will result in our experiencing three and a half days of darkness. The three and a half days of darkness will have to do for the fact that the consciousness that holds this plane together, which is why we know a tree is a tree and water is water and a red light is a red light, this consciousness is collapsing. It's imploding. When it implodes, we will be in a space where all we will have is consciousness, which will also cause other things to occur because that which we hold things together with in our reality will dissipate. So that means that anything artificial will not exist. It'll start to disappear. It'll liquefy. It'll be like if you've ever known anybody or if you yourself have ever been in an earthquake, really strange things happen to physical structure. Oh, I have. Uh, glass becomes fluid and sort of bounces without sound and then shatters into a thousand crystals. Uh, huge beams and buildings just become fluid and, and, and elastic and sort of move and sway. The ground, and, and the ground itself becomes fluid. Actually, yeah, it, it, fluid. Just, it just moves. It just moves almost like an artist's brush. They call it liquefaction. Liquefaction. Now, when this happens, you're going to see things like television sets, plastic. These are all man-made things. They're going to disappear. They will melt. They will liquefy. The reason why the ancient things that are left that we can tell what's going to happen, if we go to the pyramids, if we go to the ancient structures, if we study the, the, the ancient architecture, these people were so incredibly advanced with what they built. Why did they build everything out of natural substance? Because it's the one thing that could with, withstand these, these type of changes. They do 
talk about the cycles and that this is nothing new. This has happened before. You know, it's a funny thing. You should mention all this because the Japanese, uh, of course, had a really horrible earthquake. It was, oh, I don't know, a couple of years ago. And they had said uh, they had their heads held high and um, their noses in the air, and they had said, these buildings we have built will withstand anything. America's buildings will collapse, but our buildings we have built with a special new technology, and they will stand. Nothing will fall in the most severe of earthquakes. Well, they had a seven-point somewhere or another. And most all those proud buildings came tumbling down like so many dominoes, and they're still scratching their heads about it. Well, if it hits art, get into a teepee. <laughs> It'll work. If, it, if it's natural, it will last. If, if it's part of the consciousness of what we are, what the earth is, it, it will last. We're, we're, we're talking about major um, shifts that are going to happen in the next year. There's going to be a very, very bad winter here, worse than what this one was. Oh, I believe that. It's, it's coming. Power failures are going to happen everywhere. When the electromagnetic fields fluctuate, it affects the electrical power systems and grids that we have. We're going to see a lot of power failures, so maybe people better get that bitching radio. Um, but, you know, my concern is, are they going to be able to get us on the radio? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but I'm going to ride the story out and uh, and see what happens. But in answer to your question, honestly, I really don't know. Mm -hmm. um, all right, uh, Robert, hold tight. We're going to go to the phones uh, shortly after we come back. You're listening to Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. Listeners west of the Rockies can call Art toll-free by dialing 1-800-618-8255. If you're east of the Rockies, the toll-free number is 800-825-5033. If you've never called Art before, you may use the first-time caller line at area code 702-727-1222. And the wild card line is area code 702 727-1295. When you get through, let it ring, and Art will answer your call in order on the air. This is the CDC Radio Network. at 1-800-618-8255. 1-800-618-8255. East of the Rockies at 1-800-825-5033. 1-800-825-5033. This is the CBC Radio Network. Do you believe in angels and miracles? You will, after reading The Messengers, an incredible story that the angels want told. 
when a successful down-to-earth businessman struggled with the realization of his true purpose on earth, angels intervened. His reluctance overcome, he felt compelled to tell this inspiring story, a story that began 2,000 years ago when he lived as the Apostle Paul and walked alongside Jesus. The Messengers chronicles the angelic visitations that led this man to finally share the memories of his past life. Never look at religion or spirituality in the same way again. Whatever you believe, you'll want to read The Messengers, a true story of angelic presence and the return to the age of miracles. The Messengers, from pocketbooks wherever books are sold, a story that will change your life. Well, here's a fact that I wish to deal with. It says, Art Bell. We're discussing, uh, Robert Ghostwolf is my guest, and we're discussing the state of the environment and things related, which is pretty awful, I admit. And so I want to, actually I want to deal with this. It says, Art Bell, what if it was discovered that radio waves, you know, I, I always wonder why people eliminate their fax number and they sign it without a name and stuff, but I guess anyway I'll read it. Usually I don't read these, but Art Bell, what if it was discovered that radio waves and satellite emissions were causing deformities in animals and climatic changes? Would you immediately go off the air and shut down the network? I know you won't read this, because as a typical media hypocrite, it's easier to blame so-called environmental damage on something else that someone else does. Signed. Screw the planet in California. No name, just screw the planet in California. I'd be happy to answer your question. I'd be off the air in a second. Do you honestly believe that I come on here for five hours a night and discuss things that I don't really believe? Do you honestly believe that I don't come on here with conviction, particularly with respect to environmental concerns that you know damn well I have. I wrote a whole book about it. Uh, if I were to discover that what I was doing was contributing uh, or even a primary cause of what's going on with the Earth right now, I'd be out of here so quick. Um, I'd go throw the switch so quick. Now, that doesn't guarantee that all broadcasting would cease. But I can tell you, I would have no part of it. Now, I know you're not going to believe me because you think me to be a hypocrite. That's just fine. But I'm giving you a straight answer whether you like it or not, and I suspect you don't. Yeah, I'd be out of here really quick. So if, if your question, which of course it is, is whether I have the, um, the strength of my own convictions, should I make this, some sort of discovery like this, the answer is I do. That's it. Here's Robert Ghostwolf once again. Robert, we were talking about Hopi prophecy. Yes. Uh, what, we're, <clears throat> what we're going to um, experience also immediately, um, which you already are seeing the manifestations of, is uh, when, when, when it's spoken in the prophecies that new life forms as well as old life forms will reappear. And new life forms will reappear. It's happening on a global level to such magnitude that science really doesn't know how to deal with it. They're, they're, we have diseases that are breaking out that they don't even know what their origin is. We are dealing with situations where 
the viruses are almost mechanical in nature. It's almost like they weren't living organic organisms. It's almost like they take on their own consciousness. It's like they can calculate what's going to happen before it happens and what kind of antibiotic we're going to come up with before we come up with the antibiotic. And so you come up with an antibiotic and it only lasts a few weeks. We're seeing many, many more instances of this. We, we are dealing with right now in many of the urban areas um, the beginnings of new strains of tuberculosis that they do not have any antibodies for. They don't know what to do with it. We're dealing with a lot of disease. We, we are going to experience this, and we, we, the only thing that we can do is to get back to using the natural foods. I go extensively into this in, in, in Last Cry. If we go back to the Hopi say, if we go back to the sacred grains, the wheat, the rice, the millet, and, and the corn, if we go back to this, it will give our bodies what we need to move into this new frequency. And we are eating less and less of these natural things that, that we have lived on basically as a global society for, for eons now, for, for centuries. And we, we are to expect, um, we're going to have much more open visibility by the extraterrestrials. Much more open visibility. That's already begun. And yes, it has. And it's begun in, in a very kind way. It's, it's begun in a way where, where the, the, the appearance of them, the existence of them, is no longer deniable by so many people. I mean, by so many people. I don't care what the statistics say. Most everybody who I meet doesn't have a doubt that there's something. Most, most people who I see have heard about the lights in Phoenix. They've heard about what's happening in Mexico City and what's happening in Bolivia. Um, in Mexico City, so many sightings, they're taken as the norm. Mexico City, where planes have collided with craft. Correct. Damaged them. I mean, it's unbelievable. Just unbelievable. It's happening with, with increased frequency. Um, there is a lot going on right now that... Again, we could go into a whole section. We could go into three hours on it if we wanted to. But there's a lot of really strange things happening in the Southwest, especially in the Four Corners area. We're talking about tremendous military caravans. We're talking about tandem trucks of liquid nitrogen moving in the middle of the night off into some desolate area in the back of a reservation. For some reason, a lot of these things seem to happen in the reservation areas. Um, Huge earth-moving equipment going down the road. I mean, with 12-foot tires and 14-foot tires uh, moving along the highways. There are things going on to such a, a level of intensity that people are really getting upset on, on an everyday level. What I have been told about this is that you can expect within the next year for the government to move from Washington, D.C. Within the next within year? Within the next year. You, you will see the major CIA, the intelligence organizations, moving to the Phoenix area. And you will see very feasibly. Phoenix, Phoenix, what is it about 
Phoenix. It's it's been an age-old place of communication between us and the Star People for for how long now? And there are many, many underground installations, so many underground installations that it would be impossible to track them. We're dealing with hundreds and hundreds of miles, if not thousands of miles, of underground tunnels throughout New Mexico that, that just go on and on that the government's been working on for years. We're dealing with Area 51. I mean, Area 51 didn't just happen a few years ago. It was known as a site for strange occurrences with UFOs before we came in and started to put our uh, technology in there. It, it has been a center for UFO uh it, if, it, <clears throat> a woman was there last week, and I believe the woman, I believe her credibility, and she went to see her father, who wrote a, called her up on the phone and said, I have to see you because I have some information I have to give you. He lives right near Area 51. She went down to see him, and she drove down the road, and when she was driving down the road, the road was blocked off. There were uh, black vehicles and military vehicles all over the place. She was approached by someone from the sheriff's department who said, you cannot go down the road. Um, the area is blocked off, and she was like, excuse me, this is our ranch, I'm going to go see my father, and he said, no, you're not. Eventually, uh, through persuasion, she, she managed to somehow avoid their detection and move down the road, whether she walked, and I'm assuming that she walked. She said that when she got to her father's ranch, her father was sitting there, and he had no recollection whatsoever of having called her and said this, and when she looked out in the fields as she was going there, she saw... UFOs and Air Force planes just sitting there. And she was completely taken back by this because they were just sitting there in the open. Okay. Um, these are the kinds of stories that I get all the time, and they're not from lunatics. They're from people going, I don't know what to do. I'm scared. I'm not going to say anything about this. When I was down in Roswell, there were three men in black there. I mean, one of the people who was with me, Art, walked up and, and, and was choking with them because he thought they were probably part of the show. And they turned around and basically looked and did the, you know, you saw nothing, citizen. And he came back and he was joking with me. And he said, why don't we get some of them to turn around and talk to some of the speakers? That would be a good joke, wouldn't it? And I was there with several people who came from military background, and we looked at him and said, no, we're aware that they're here. They're there. So... These these things are real, you know, like when somebody writes you a letter like this on your show, it's like, if your show wasn't on the air, Art, how would, how would this stuff get out without emotion, without color? Otherwise, all we have left is the tabloids. Now, at least the information is getting out. It's up to their discernment to look. I think that anybody today can read and look and find. It's hard, but we do have the Internet, and we have a lot of incredible speakers out there bringing information which is unbelievable. I mean, I've seen some unbelievable footage of things that the, the presence of alien life forms on this planet is undeniable. Never mind what I haven't seen in my own life, because... I can say I've seen it, but I may be a lunatic. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe your coffee was bad on the plane when you saw that thing outside the window. <laughs> but when you start getting hundreds and thousands of these stories coming in from very credible people, I'm talking about ranchers and farmers and people who are, you know, veterinarians and doctors, just regular people working. They, they don't even listen to your show or read my books. I know. 
And so it's not like, oh, right, well, what's happening is that these people are reading all this hysteria tabloid type information. And, you know, ghost wolf is out there giving away Indian secrets without the right to give Indian secrets away. And, and it's like, well, you know. You get accused of that, don't you? Oh, a lot. And, and I can only go by what my grandmother told me before she passed over, which is that grandson, if there's one thing that you have to learn is that in your time, in your life, the secrets have to end. As long as people have secrets, they're going to have separatism. And they're going to say, this is my side, and we've got this secret information. She says, there's too much going on now. They have to know about these ships. They have to know about what's happening to the water. They have to know about how they're manipulating the food and that, that people are getting sick because they're just just—they're not eating anything. They're eating bulk, but they're not eating any food. She says, people have to know about this. Well, in, Indian secrets are not much good if we stand on the brink and they remain secrets. I mean, do you... Do you do you come back to the elders with that? I do. And um, I, I don't publicly ever speak about sacred ceremonial rites or, 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 or the way things are done. I believe that that is their sovereign domain. But the information is the information. And the, it, it is not, it is, it is a global situation. I mean, I'm going down to Peru in February because elders from all over the world wanted information to get out because they wanted everybody to know. The same thing is happening in Hawaii. It wasn't that I suddenly decided, hey, this is a good day to go out and I want to go to Hawaii and let's go do a ghost dance. It was that they came and said, we have to do something. The information has to get out. The people aren't seeing things. They're not hearing things anymore. They're not listening to what the Earth's trying to tell them. They don't even, they, they think it's so much boo-hoo when we tell them you know. that if, if, if you, if, I mean, right now, while we're sitting here, we're talking about the migration of birds, right? What we're not talking about, because it's so hard to get everything in, but there's a migration going on of fish right here in the Pacific Ocean. They can't get the fish that they normally get because of, what's happening with the temperatures in the water because of all the volcanoes that are going off in the Pacific Rim. I know. There's so, so much right now that people are beginning to get boggled. Stan Dale, uh, several months ago, said, Art, I look at naval maps, mm -hmm. and I see these gigantic, unbelievable blooms of temperature in the Pacific Ocean. And people went, hmm, that's interesting. And a couple of months, three months went by, and all of a sudden... Um, all of a sudden, uh, the U.S. Uh, Weather Service uh, said they are seeing absolutely uh, the largest um, uh, El Nino beginning to build. They have never seen anything to rival it. And all this becomes confirmed. The ocean temperatures are, in fact, rising. The plankton, in fact, are, are becoming less. The whole chain is becoming affected. And, and isn't it also interesting how... We hear just a few months ago the government was coming out with all of these programs and, and all of these statements that this whole thing about global warming was a farce. It wasn't happening. There was no evidence of global warming. And just a few weeks ago over here in the Spokane paper, there was this whole argument and, 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 and article about the government warning us about we're going to have to get ready for some changes because of global warming. So we're seeing this seesaw of attitudes this total seesaw of attitudes. And, and it's like I, one, one of the remarks that I, I really liked when uh, you had Richard Hogan on the other night was like, we spent $50 billion on a, product, on a project and we have a 12-foot extension cord. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what is wrong with the project here? You yeah. know? Um, we, 
are seeing increasing evidence of everything that has been in the prophecies as coming to be, coming to pass or have already passed. And now the basic thing comes to what are the Hopi saying? What are the Sioux saying? What are the Haudenosaunee saying? What are the Maori saying? What are the Inca saying? We're at the end of the dream, and we've got to realize that we are physical beings and that, yes, we need minerals, we need to get healthy. We're no longer healthy. And if we don't get ourselves into a basic grounded level, we are going to perish because of diseases, simply because we don't have an immune system to fight anything. And so the ghost dance comes. And the ghost dance comes, and we hope that we can raise the spirits of everyone. And right now it seems to be working throughout the world, and hopefully it will become a global vision. All right. Hold tight. We'll be right back to you, and we're going to go to the phones. Everybody wants to talk to you. So coming next, folks, if you want to talk to Robert Ghostwolf, this is your opportunity. I'm Art Bell from the high desert. This is CBC, and by the way, this is Cusco and Ghost Dance. that they have listeners spellbound for as much as four or five hours. Hello, I'm Art Bell. My rules for guests are simple. They have to be entertaining to me. And if they are, they're probably entertaining to you, too. Join me and my entertaining guests on Coast to Coast AM. You'll find us on the country's great radio stations. Is there such a thing as life beyond this life? That's one of the questions forming the basis of a program called Dreamland. I'm the host, Art Bell. On Dreamland this weekend, Jim and Pat Jay, authors of Know Your Dreams, Know Yourself. Don't you dare miss it. Wow. If you're as curious about this kind of stuff as I am, join me right here for Dreamland. on the wild card line at 702-727-1295. That's 702-727-1295. First-time callers can reach Art Bell at 702-727-1222. 702-727-1222. Now, here again, Art Bell. Anybody want to dance? I think we're about to dance. My guest is Robert Ghostwolf, and we are about to go to the phones. And we will talk more of Hopi prophecy because there is more. Three days of darkness in the next four years are on the way. 
You know, we've heard that somewhere else, haven't we? Uh, Robert has a manuscript, which is about to be a book. And either way, it's going to be important. But it is the most uh, beautiful manuscript I have ever seen in my whole life. For those of you with access to the web, uh, if you'll go to the studio cam, I'm holding up a copy of the manuscript. And I'm going to leave that photograph up there for about the next half hour or so. So if you want to see what the, la uh, what the Last Cry manuscript looks like, uh, it's up there on the webcam right now. I just sort of held it up. It's not a really good picture of it, but it's good enough. You'll get the idea. This is astoundingly beautiful inside, all of it hand done. And it's what's coming out prior to the book. And he's only got 50 of them left. I suspect those are going quickly. Uh, Robert, if they want to get a manuscript, um, what is the, uh, the number again, please? 509-465-1606. 509-465-1606. If that line's busy, we do have a, a voicemail. 509-623-2496. That's 509-623-2496. If they don't have web access, I can give you a post office box, uh, which is P.O. Box. 10196. That's P.O. Box 10196. I, I better stop you before you finish this. Okay. Uh, you really only have 50 left? We really only have 50 left. Well, uh, my advice to you is to, uh, if you're talking about ordering manuscripts, there's no point in giving out an address. Uh, they're, pr they're probably gone already. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my point. So uh, we can certainly give out your address so they can contact you for any other reason. But I'm, I'm saying all the manuscripts are going to be gone uh, before the show's over. Well, let's just have a little patience and, and dial at 509-465-1606. We don't have a lot of people there. Yeah. Uh, so if uh, they want to communicate with you otherwise, go ahead and give your address. It's, it's P.O. Box 10196. That's 10196. Spokane, Washington, 99209. That's 99209. Either address it to me or to Wolf Lodge. Wolf Lodge, all right. Um, all right, here come some uh, phone calls. Are you ready? Sure. All right. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Ghost Wolf. Where are you, please? Uh, is this the Art Bell Show? Yes, it is. Okay, my name is, well... Just give us, gi give us your first name. Okay, my name is Maria, and I live in, live in Texas. Okay. Okay, uh, I need to tell Mr. Wolf something that happened to me Saturday, and I'm try I've been trying to figure out figure it out for a while, and I still can't figure it out. Maybe he can help. Well, go ahead. Mr. Mr. Wolf. Yes. Uh, Saturday night, about somewhere around 1:30 in the morning, I had the urge to go outside, and when I did. Uh, after a little bit, I noticed there was a huge shadow in the shape of a uh, of a bird flying up towards the moon. Okay, and then it sort of melded with the moon and became it changed into all the colors of the fire. Okay, hmm. and the moon itself shaped, changed into the shape of the bird. And then this great big. Uh, I don't know, to me it looked like a tear or a rip. 
just rushed across it. Across it. And uh, when it came out on the other side, the moon changed back. Well, it was like you saw a vision of the phoenix. I've been trying to figure this out for a while now, and I, you know, it's been bothering me, you know. Well, we're told that at this time that the phoenix would be awakening and that the phoenix would start to flap its wings. And when it started to flap its wings, we would feel the thunder in the earth. And that the fire was the consumption of human desires that had gone awry. And to see something like that with the moon, which is totally tied into the feminine energy, would be a pretty powerful sign. Yes. Uh, pretty powerful sign. So, the, you know, I would say that you could consider yourself quite fortunate that Spirit communicated with you in that way. All right. First time caller line, you're on the air with Robert Ghost Wolf. Hello. Yes, hello. My name is Reen, and I'm calling from Seattle. Okay, you're going to have to speak up good and loud, huh? We can barely hear you. I'm from Seattle. Right. And um, I've lived here since 1959, and I've watched the ecology in this area really, really change in that length of time. Like right now you go out and you look, this is July, you look at the mountains out here, yes. there's no snow. And it used to be the snow would be like at least a third of the way down this time of year. And it's gone because they've been cutting all the trees down and there's nothing to hold the snow there. The salmon in Puget Sound, they started using gillnet boats in, out there like oh, in the 60s or 70s. And immediately the fish, you know, went down. But they still allow gillnet boats out in the Sound, still even now. Well, it's money. It's people's livelihoods, and I, you know, it's the um, it's the battle that we're going to have. And I don't know, you know, somebody sent me a fax, and I answered honestly for myself. They suddenly discovered that radio was doing this. I'd be out of here, no problem. But uh, it's livelihoods. Uh, you're talking about um, people who fish uh, and the entire chain, uh, people who uh, can fish, people who sell fish in the market, the markets themselves, all the employees. You're talking about an economic kind of life versus what we're doing to keep up this lifestyle. Is that about right, Robert? I say that's about right. I, I think one of the things that, one of the messages that we're, we're speaking of with the people as we put together this ghost dance is that, you know, we, we've got to stop looking at each other as the enemy. We've got to stop creating enemies. All it's doing is stopping us. When, when in fact people are not the enemies to people, there's there's this it's it's the corporate world. There's no longer the, the the white guy doing something to the blue guy or the blue guy doing something to the red guy. It's this corporate world that's totally unfeeling that it seems to have no conscience and seems to just use up the resources and leave its trash behind without any regard for what's to follow. Well, I have not a big problem with the fact that there are corporations. Uh, corporations are not intrinsically evil, and they have built a good life for us. But somewhere there has got to be a balance, and we are not in balance right now. No, we're not. And, and I, I think that you know, 500 years ago we had kings. Uh, 500 years before that we had emperors. 500 years before that we had pharaohs, and now we have bankers. We have bankers. That's a good answer. First time caller line, uh, no, wild card line. You're on the air with Robert Ghostwolf. Hi. Hi, Leona from Whittier. And um, I called before Art when you had on, I think it was Linda Howell about the cysteria bacteria. Oh, yes, of course. And I told you about the lawsuit that our um, 
conservation organization had against the federal government? Yes, I recall. Right. Well, there's a couple of things here I want to share. And one is, in regards to that lawsuit, um, there's a scientific report that was turned into the government just a few days ago on July 26 mm -hmm. that was signed by over 170 scientists throughout the United States and the world, Zurich, Australia, everywhere, um, commenting that if the federal government goes ahead with these changes to um, the Endangered Species Act, that it would cause mass species extinction. And um, it is on a website out of the University of Davis. I can give you that. And um, the media has not been covering this at all. Okay, I can't allow you to give that uh, web address on the air okay. only because I've had a bad experience. You know, occasionally right. people will slip them in. But if you'll get it to me by fax or some other way, we'll get a link on our website up to it. How's that? And I'll do the great. same on mine. And I don't have your fax number. So it's okay. area code 702 mm -hmm. Two seven eight four nine nine. Okay. The other thing that I wanted to share with you both um, is well, the, the name of our organization is Spirit of the Sage Council, and it was co-founded by the Shoshone Gabrielino Nation that's here in Southern California. And two years ago, it will be two years this winter, um, there was a winter solstice cave that was destroyed in Orange County, and the isthmus aligned with Catalina Island. And um, the Shoshone Gabrielino name for the Catalina Island is Paimu, um, very similar to Mu. And um, when the cave was excavated before it was um, razzed and blown up, there was quartz crystal found, obsidian blades, abalone, and ochre. And um, even though Secretary Babbitt and others were notified of this um, and that the Advisory Council on Historic Preservation wrote letters and to try to stop the destruction that was still destroyed. But it's um, interesting that there is all of this weather change now happening. Interesting? <laughs> it's, not, it's not interesting. It's, not a, it's more than a coincidence. But um, also, the spiritual leader of um, the Shoshone Gabrielino passed away in February, and um, the hereditary chief, um, Yana Verrocha, is ill. And this was um, definitely associated with the destruction of some of these sacred sites that, that continue to happen. All right, get us that site, and we will um, uh, we'll put up a link for you. All right, here's a fax. Um, Sounds like Mother Earth has some pretty strong medicine going on. The parasite harming the Earth, us, must be stopped. So out comes this real strong antibiotic, the cell from Helen Moore, kills or really thins out what we, the parasites, feed on directly or indirectly. Thus, we, the true parasites, are forced to thin out one way or the other. We change our ways or our ways are changed for us. Does that sound about right? Sounds like what the Hopis say. Mm -hmm. The Hopis say that that which we do not take care of ourselves, the Earth will take care of quickly. <laughs> West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Ghostwolf. Hello. Hello. Go oh, I didn't push the button. i got to push the button first. There you are. West of the Rockies, now you're on the air with Robert Ghostwolf. Yes, sir. I am calling from just north of you. I'm calling from Rio, Nevada. I'd like to remain... Anonymous, 
I have the answers for what you seek. Um, if you notice on the prophecy rock, the sign on the prophecy rock, you have two signs. It's a plus sign and a zero sign. The Native Americans knew that sign, and it's, it's in their culture in every major tribe from one coast to the other. What prophecy rock are you referring to? I'm sorry. I Mr. Ghostwolf knows, the one you're speaking of about the... Um, the prophecies? Yes. It, where I saw this just the other day. Um, it shows a plus sign and a zero sign. Now let's drop back 2,000 years, okay, this time of Jesus. What he was teaching was not a crucifix. He was teaching positive energy. That's what's going to unite this right now. It is, it's hard for me to talk because it's taken three years to bring this out. Well, we don't have three years. No, 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 listen. Just listen, please. I'm listening, but you're going to have to get it out. Okay. What it is, is at this time, everything we know of is in a matter state. Matter, and that breaks down to atoms. And what is an atom made up of? A positive, a zero, and a negative charge. The first two signs on the prophecy rock are a plus and a zero. In every cave that is across the United States, and I know a little bit about, about archaeology, there are signs represented with a circle and a plus sign way before Christians or white men came onto this planet. And the same and the same with Australia. And you'll find the plus sign represented by cultures all over the world. Mm -hmm. Okay. Jesus was teaching the plus sign. The Native Americans knew him without a Bible as white cloud. And the prophecy is, is our magnetic field will be altered because of the gravity. The gravity is, Mr. Bell, I've heard you talk about this before, is actually this Earth is a generator. No, we're talking about, we've talked certainly about polar shifts, caller, thank you. Uh, and I think you made re some reference to that a little bit earlier tonight, didn't you, uh, Robert? Yeah, 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 yes, I did. And um, the cross is ancient. It's throughout all of our cultures, and it's definitely throughout all the indigenous cultures here in North America and goes back all the way into Mesio um, America in, um, with the Inca and with the Maya and it does have to do with the energy and it does have to do with the four directions. The What goes east and west would be considered your earth walk or the electromagnetic plane and then what goes north and south would be considered the spirit walk or what happens in the scalar plane. Right. What happens in the other energy and Everything about the balance is sort of like looking at a sight. If, if you were zeroing in with a sight and, 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 and you would have those crosshairs, the balance is when they are in perfect balance. And the portal through, as the Hopi say, the portal through is through the center where things are neutral. And I know that we've often heard about walk the middle road. And walk the middle road doesn't necessarily mean walk without passion. Right. It means walk without charging the situation and see things for what they are. When so, you, you know. so in other words, uh, what he was saying sounded crazy in the beginning, but it really isn't, is it? No, it's really not. In all the stories of the prophet who was here, he was known wearing a white robe with, little, with the four direction symbol around the hem. 
And these four direction symbols are also in his hands. And one of the things that we will see in many of the caves in the archaeological sites is the picture of, of the hand with a cross in it. Okay. So this does go back. But I, th I think that in our present culture, we tend to move everything with the cross toward the crucifixion and not really hear the message. Well, you've got to first listen before you hear. Uh, east of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Ghostwolf. Hi. Hi. Um, Where are you? Oh, I'm in uh, Nebraska. Nebraska. Okay. Get into your phone and yell at us on the Oh, Rockies. hi. Okay. Go ahead. What is uh, your first name? My name is Jolene. Uh-huh. I'm uh, Mr. Ghostwolf. I was wondering, you talking about antibiotics that aren't um, effective anymore? A lot of them aren't. Yeah. And you, you've heard of MRSA and... Vaccomycin uh, resistance. Uh, I, I've heard of it. That's where you, the antibiotics like penicillin aren't effective anymore because people have abused them. Yes. Okay. Um, so how is your ghost stance for the cure the economy and you know the people from? I think that we've forgotten a, a very simple message in 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 our evolutionary process. And that's that the strongest thing that we have ever had has been the human spirit. Mm -hmm. People can cure cancer. They can cure terminal diseases of God knows how many different manifestations through the human spirit, through the, through the raising of the human spirit. And it doesn't matter how you recognize that human spirit as long as you learn how to come into contact with it. And I think that in this day and age, everything that we're doing, whether you go to a Ghost Wolf workshop or whether you go to a Drembel and McKelzedek workshop or, or whether you, you go to any one of the workshops where teachers are trying to get things out, a lot of the Native American teachers are trying to get things out beyond their spirituality to explain the science of what they're talking about mm -hmm. and the power of the human mind and the human spirit. The human mind and the human spirit can, what it created, it can discreate. Okay. So it can create something new, and you can create the energy and the vibration of perfect health. You can do this. Mm, if you don't mm -hmm. want to listen to Robert Goswold, you can read a book by Deepak Chopra. You'll talk about the same thing. Mm -hmm. Disease comes from an attitude or a lack of attitude. Mm -hmm. And though we've abused it over our attitudes we've abused over the centuries and uh, got really negative. You know, we're called the children of the sun, mm -hmm. and the dream has been perpetuated now. There are many prophecies that it would seem were supposed to happen ten years ago, but they did not happen. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people became despondent. But what people are starting to experience now is that these, these prophecies are, in fact, coming to be. They're coming to pass. So we've been given a window. We've been given a window to get our act together, yeah. so to speak. I think, I think we're going to have to break away here because we're close to the top of the hour, but I think we're in them now. Uh, these are no longer prophecies. These no, are they're, the, they're news reports. Yeah, <laughs> they're exactly right, the news reports. Stay where you are, Robert. We'll be right back. I'm Art Bell, and this, of course, is CBC. And by the way, my book, The Quickening, uh, I don't have to, uh, it's so nice, I don't have to give out numbers anymore. You can get it in bookstores all throughout the nation. It's called The Quickening by Art Bell. Go, go to a bookstore and ask for it.
You're listening to Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. Listeners west of the Rockies can call Art toll-free by dialing 1-800-618-8255. If you're east of the Rockies, the toll-free number is 800-825-5033. If you've never called Art before, you may use the first-time caller line at area code 702-727-1222. And the wild card line is area code 702-727-1295. When you get through, let it ring, and Art will answer your call in order on the air. This is the CBC Radio Network. of the Rockies at 1-800-618-8255, 1-800-618-8255, east of the Rockies at 1-800-825-5033, 1-800-825-5033, this is the CBC Radio Network. Good morning, everybody. My guest is Native American Robert Goswolf. And I'll tell you what, we'll get back to him and your phone calls in a moment. All right, once again, my guest, Robert Goswolf. Robert, uh, react to this. Believe it or not, your Native American guests' beliefs strongly parallel the first laws of theoretical physics. In other words, Reality is in the mind of the observer. What he is saying tends to unite physical law, philosophy, religious belief, which many physicists consider impossible. Your guess is incredibly interesting. Uh, is that what it does, Robert? Yeah, it sounds like Albert Einstein, too. <laughs> um, <laughs> everything is relativity. Um, you know, you, we, we, we've been talking about, you know, the water purifiers and, and um, reverse osmosis in the water and releasing the minerals. I, I think an interesting point that people, which is part of the prophecies, is, is that we live in a crystal world. This is literally a crystal planet. It creates crystals. If, if we've had visits from extraterrestrials, it's because they needed crystals and so forth to turn around and operate some of their flying machines. Um, the water used to, we used to be able to program water, you know, just like we program crystals for computers and can pro- program crystals for watches mm-hmm. and satellites. A lot of the satellites run off crystal program. Every computer is run off crystal programming. When we okay, change People the bi- don't understand that. That's absolutely right. There is a crystal, and it determines a frequency, and without it, nothing runs. No- nothing runs. And we are basically the most incredible biological computers in the universe. One of the things that I, I know that some of the, my experiences with the ETs was they, they didn't understand how we weren't aware of what we could do with our minds and how thought literally programs everything in our planet. So in, in, in uh, a 
further conclusion to what the lady was just asking us from Nebraska. How can we change things is, is by reprogramming our vision. We have forgotten that we are the world and what we are inside individually as people is what changes things. If you change your attitude, you change everything. If you wake up on a bad hair day, I don't care what you're wearing, you're not going to look good. But if you change your attitude and your friend calls up and you laugh, suddenly you feel different about everything and your, your physical appearance changes. It's that simple. It doesn't have to be high-level science to understand this. Gotcha. Uh, all right. Uh, let's go back to the phones. First time caller line, you're on the air with Robert Ghostwolf. Ghostwolf. My name is Lassing Wolf. I'm calling from Cincinnati. Hi. And the um, the prophecies and the, radi the radical changes that you're speaking about can all really be very frightening. On a more positive note, I'd like to ask what the purpose of all these changes will be. All right. Good question, actually. We're being given a chance right now to reprogram our future. We're basically going through life review. We're going through life review now. It's, it's a tremendous gift. Rather than having to wait until we pass over into another world, we're going through a life review right now while we're living the experience so that we can change the way we react to things, change the way we look at things, change things in our lives that we feel no longer apply or are no longer needed. Um, the, the purposes of what's happening now as we're experiencing chaos, I think it, it should also be taken into consideration that all creation happens from chaos. If we go into any level of science, creation happens through chaos. Physics will, will explain that, and our spirituality has always explained that. When the universe was born, it was born out of chaos. And the chaos is what creates something new. What we've happened, what has happened to us now is that basically... We have imploded. We have no new ideas. We have no future dreams. So therefore, we can accept what is ever being handed to us by various individuals, or we can create our own. We can create our own right now, starting with self. And the chaos is happening so that there's an opening for something new to happen. And it's happening on so many levels, so many levels. We, we had something that happened with the sun a few months ago where there was this giant sun blob that was coming toward the earth and everyone was afraid everybody's computer was going to crash. <laughs> and um, everybody called everybody up and said, turn your computers off, it's going to hit tomorrow at 3 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, and and the, the, the Native American elders who I was with said, well, what are they all upset about? Because what it's doing is it's creating the essence of new matter for the new consciousness to grab hold of. You know what really happened? Uh, we did have, as you mentioned, uh, a great big uh, burst of energy come toward us. Right. And the scientists were very concerned about what would happen. And actually, it just grazed us. It just barely grazed us. But those in radio communications certainly noticed it. Uh, oh, remember, everybody was in a panic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, but they miscalculated a little bit, and it just missed us that time. Uh, Wild Card Line, you're on the air with Robert Ghostwolf. Hi. Hey, how you doing? All right. Okay, I've, I've got a question for him. Um, it seems like you're posing a lot of questions, and I think the answer here is, is spiritual love for everybody and everything. And I, it just doesn't seem that that's been expressed from you as the answer to what's happening. Maybe I've just said it in 10,000 ways. Okay, well, that, I was just, you know, 
I want to clarify that for the audience and everything. That that is, is that what you're saying, basically? I, I wish that everybody had your clear vision on that. Well, thank you. And uh, I'm going to hang up and let you go ahead and thank you. You can go into that a little bit more in in some way. All right. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a clear, simple way to say it. Spiritual love. Uh, if there was more of that and less of what uh, just happened uh, in Jerusalem, uh, we'd be on a different track, wouldn't we? Absolutely. You know, we're focusing on the difference rather than the commonality, aren't we? And, you know, spiritual love. Well, what is spiritual love? And we spend our whole lives going down these many pathways. And God knows how many movies and books they wrote about it. And in reality, you can find the essence of spiritual love in a relationship, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that when I you do. look into Ramona's eyes, you, you, you know the secret. Yes, I do. But the words, the words may not be there because, because the, the true knowledge is beyond words. The true knowledge is understood emotionally. So when, you, when your eyes touch, you know. You know? Yep. It's, it's like a simple way to do it is, is to look into the divine being within each one of us at least once a day. Look at each other and see that being. Don't see all the judgments and the criticisms and the little mistakes and the human flaws. That's what makes life funny. You know? <laughs> yeah, you're right about one thing. Um, and that is... When I look at Ramona, we both know. When we look at each other, we both know, and it passes between us and not a word has to be said. But this has to occur at a larger level, and I don't know how to get that going. Do you? That's what we're doing tonight. Each little bit starts. Every time I go out and do something, every time we do something like this, every time Dannon does something, every time Laura Lee, my wife and I, we, we, we go out and we work with people, it's, it's what we try to share with people. And they usually walk away feeling really good for three days. <laughs> and then they forget, and then they get yeah. caught up in the trauma, and they forget to look. It's like, you know, a lot of the answers are simple. A lot of the answers are simple. It, but, but a very complex life masks them. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we are caught behind many, many masks. Um, I think one, 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 of, one of the problems that, that I know Grandfather Martin up in Hold Villa talks to me about with people, he says, you know, the problem with the people in the outside world, meaning outside of Hopi land, is that everybody gets caught in their different people that they think that they are. And so they never pay enough attention to who they are. And so they think that they're lost. Does that make sense? Yep. East of the Rockies, you're on there with Robert Ghostwolf. Hi. Hi. Art, hi, Robert. Uh, this is Kevin. I'm standing out here in the yard in western Pennsylvania looking up at the Pleiades, <laughs> and it's a great, it's a beautiful night. But what I wanted to say was um, along the lines of the Hopi prophecy, yes. um, there's a Hopi prophecy concerning an individual who's going to return at a certain time, unknown, uh, with a missing piece of the Fire Clan tablet. Mm -hmm. And you may know something about that. We have, I've been studying with him since 1987, and we have tried four times to reach the Hopi traditionals, and he fulfills prophecies for a host of other Native American tribes, all of them actually. He passed away last August, and we're having a gathering in Missoula. Uh, the pronunciation to the Hopi of that name is Masawa, Montana. And I know that these words are significant to you, Robert. And uh, what, what I'd like to do is try to get something set up with you and the Hopi elders so that we can get the people who have been studying with him 
to get together with you because along with this piece of the cornerstone of the Fire Clan tablet, he also brings a tremendously encompassing message. And it's critical that people begin to hear this message. And we've tried four times to get in touch with the elders and uh, the traditionals, and we, we weren't able to before he passed on, but he left us with instructions. Robert, what is the Fire Clan tablet, do you know? The every every race when 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 the four brothers came up from the inner earth, each race, the black race, the red race, the yellow race, the white race, each each race was given the tablets of the original teachings. Um, the as it is taught, the white race has their tablets in Switzerland. The black race has theirs in uh, uh, Kilimanjaro, where King Solomon's mines were. I forget what country that might be right now. Um, the yellow race has theirs in Tibet. The red race has theirs in Hopi land. And yes, there's a piece missing. And I don't know that it necessarily means that a one specific entity would come, but that yeah. maybe that that's a consciousness that would come that would bring the missing piece. The legend has it that the light will come from the north. The light will come from the north. Right, that's Missoula. Mm -hmm. And, well, and that also means the word for that is one of the words that's used for the prophet. That's one of the words used for the healer. Yeah, the Pahana. Well, Pahana has now become has, a colloquialism. Yeah, it means... But Pahana, as, as it was originally spoken, meant the long-lost white brother. That, that is actually... There is actually a person who fulfills that prophecy and has in his possession the Fire Clan, the cornerstone of the Fire Clan tablet. Well, then, had perhaps... A young best, child. Perhaps the best direction for you to, to go with that, if I can be of any help, is to contact me at my website so we can communicate. We will do that. And and perhaps we can arrange this meeting that you're speaking of. The, it might take time because those things happen in Indian time. Right. Well, the thing, that, the thing that's really big about it right now that's critical at this point is that uh, we've reached a, a, a point of no return now. And all these things with the Middle East and all the turmoils and all the earth changes we're heading into is actually the purification of everything that we see going wrong. So we're, yes, but we're, we're don't, ever lose, don't ever lose sight that how that happens depends upon how we walk. Right. The spiritual things that the guy before me was saying, that's, that's it. That's the key. The, 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 the law of the universe, the supreme law of the universe is love. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're moving towards it, but physically we have a tremendous landslide to go through, literally. Yeah, I, I personally think, and I don't mean to seem... Uh, uh, negative, but I just believe this. It's a personal belief that we have toward the change that is going to occur, and I don't prophesize what that will be, I don't know, but we are now past the point of no return. I believe that. That uh, there, there is going to be a change, period. We're in the change. We're, we're, we're in the throes of it. Yeah. And it will get more intense, especially, like he says, up until 2003. And the pyramid fits into it integrally, as well as every major religion and a lot of minor, less-known ones throughout the planet. All the people who brought all the religions are all from the same family tree. Yes, and, and if we go back to that prophecy, it's also spoken in that prophecy that he will, he will speak of a way which has not been heard before. Right, it's the Book of but Truth. He will speak of a way which is always... Right, the Hopi calls it the Book of Truth. It is the Book of Truth. It is and, the original teachings. Yeah, and we are the Bahani. 
the followers of the white brother, of the Pahana, in, in that interpretation of the prophecy. And I can show that to you if we can get the opportunity. Well, we, we can do that, and I think that one of the major things that we have to overcome with that, which is what I've literally dedicated my life to, is to build the bridges, the bridges between people, between races, between the old generation and the new generation. There's a generation that's just prior to your generation that doesn't have a clue as to what you're speaking about. I They're know. still locked in another paradigm. And the bridges have to be put together. We have to bridge the old and the young. We have to bridge the races. We have to bridge the different religions. This is what's occurring right now, as you're saying, we're in the throes of the change. We're in the throes of the quickening. And this is the quickening. Exactly. And, and it's only going to intensify until it, it, it starts to happen so fast that we just become over-inundated. Well, and then when we become over-inundated, what will happen is that we will stop listening to our own ego and we will listen to our own intuitiveness. All right, Carl, we're going to have to go, but um, contact him privately on, uh, via the web. We will. All right. Thank you, thank thank you. Thank you very much, and uh, have a good morning. First time caller line, you're on the air with Robert Morning Sky. Hi. I'm not Morning Sky, are you? Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. I always do that. I always do it. Robert Ghost Wolf, Morning Sky, Ghost Wolf, Morning Sky, Ghost Wolf. Anyway, you're on there. Are you there? Yes, I'm there. How many people do we have on this line? We have one. All right. Hello. Yes, hi. Go ahead. Robert Ghost Wolf is listening. All right. This is Steve from Cleveland, Mississippi. Yes, sir. Um... I was listening earlier to the show where Robert was talking about the power of drums and how they are you know, yes. the oldest instrument yep. um, and the power they have to move people. And that really touched me real deeply, me being a drummer myself. I'm kind of nervous here trying to get my thoughts collected. But what I really wanted to know is, it, uh, well, what this has to do with is I'm getting really, you know, disillusioned with all of modern music and the way that it's getting so angry, angst-filled, and violent. And I'm trying to take my own music in a direction that is more to the uplifting of what people hear. And uh, I just wondered if there's anything that I could do to raise my own consciousness of how to reach people through the music that I'm writing. All right, that's a very good question. Hang on through the bottom of the hour, uh, or rather listen on the radio, and we'll try and address that with regard to music when we come back. It is the bottom of the hour. Robert Ghostwolf is my guest. This is CBC. Taking calls on the wild card line at 702-727-1295. That's 702-727-1295. First-time callers can reach Art Bell at 702-727-1222. 702-727-1222. 
Now, here again, Art Bell. Good morning. I am Art Bell, and my guest is Robert Ghostwolf. He'll be back in a moment. All right. I would imagine, um, Robert, if you're there, uh, okay. you have encountered Mr. Morning Sky uh, from time to time, have you not? Uh, yes, I have. Quite a, on quite a few occasions. And uh, do you two find much in common, or do you differ? We we we. we differ on different issues, but I think we have a commonality in uh, the message um, and the empowering of people. And I think that Robert has a, an incredible body of knowledge that he works with. Two Roberts, but a similar, uh, or at least some commonality, just a slightly different approach then, huh? Slightly different approach, and, and, and again, that's part of what makes the music in the symphony, isn't it? That's right. It's like there's so many things that, that not one of us can speak about it, and yet we all have to speak a little pieces of it. Well, let's talk symphonies for a moment and music. The caller asked about drums and music. Right. What about drums? How do drums, what do they do? Well, drums are absolutely an incredible healing tool. Um, drums go into literally move the energy in our bones, and it's in our bones that... We hold all the emotion. We hold all the emotional memory. When we work in a native way and we work with the skulls of a buffalo or we don't like to disturb our grave sites, it's because we believe that the memory is held in the bones. The emotional memory is literally held in the bones. And you can go through various types of contemporary therapy like rolfing and, and whatnot, deep body massage. and. You can go to Robert Monroe's Institute where they'll put frequencies in to literally release the emotional traps that you have in your bones, which lead to arthritis and other kinds of ailments which have to do with your bone, the bones, where people basically are so locked up that they cannot express emotion anymore. So again, a uh, different method but same end. The same end. And, and the releasing of that, that emotion has a tremendous amount of energy to it. A tremendous amount of energy is released when we release the emotions. And each time that we do, we, we have another opening to clarity. The other thing that the drums do is that everybody, they unite everybody. When you were playing the ghost dance song, yes, it's, it's something that when we, we're, we're dancing, you know, you, it's, it's amazing how the borders disappear when you're dancing. And when you're listening to that drum, you will bring up, you'll understand why it's called a ghost dance. Because you're bringing up all those ancient memories. You're bringing up everything that you've ever been, everything that's in your culture, everything that is in your race, every, every, everything that is in your dream world is then being released. And, and the, the feeling of dancing, which is something that we, we don't do as a people anymore. We used to dance as a people to make things happen. Right. And we don't do that anymore. And this is part of the, the mystery of the trance in the ghost dance. It's part of the mystery in the, in the, in the trance of any kind of, uh, let's call it, indigenous movement. The strange thing that people will find, I know that uh, a friend of mine, Mickey Hart, has many, many albums where he traveled around the world and put together different recordings of different drumming. It's, it's amazing the similarities in the beats. Well... It's interesting you should say that, indigenous. Uh, as you know, Cusco originates in Germany, but they have done nothing but indigenous music, Peruvian, uh, a mixture of Peruvian, and then finally in this third and yet unreleased uh, piece of music that I've been sort of taunting people with, Ghost Dance. Uh, when I received that, I put it on, and it stopped me dead cold. 
I mean, I never heard anything like it. I went, oh, my. That's on a good sound system. <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, hearing it on a good sound system is um, a mind-expanding experience, let me put it that way. It really is. It, it, it does that. It, it, there's a rhythm. There's a frequency. There's a, uh, it's all, it all feeds into putting you into a different place, an altered state. And it puts you into a place where you don't have to use your mind to open the door. And you just find yourself on the other side of the doorway. Yeah, that's it. This, exactly. is, this is the magic of the drum. All right. Um, first time caller line, you're on the air with Robert Ghostwolf. Hi. Hi, Art. Hi, Robert. Hi. Uh, I had a couple questions. I'm a student of Catholic prophecy. And when you were talking about some of these prophecies uh, from the Hopi, Yes. They seem to go right along with some of the Catholic prophecies that I've read, like yes. the Three Days of Darkness. That's right. And the um, pole shift. And the pole shift, yes. Mm -hmm. Well, Father Martin, you know, uh, talked of Three Days of Darkness coming and fairly soon. Right. Now, here's one of my questions. Is there anything in Hopi prophecy about a comet hitting the earth or a piece of it, um, a rain of boulders, and... Entities that come to the earth, not not specifically ETs, but but evil entities on one side and great ones or angels on the other side. All right. Uh, let us begin with a comet. There surely is uh, Hopi prophecy regarding comets. That there is. Um, there are. We have just experienced um, the comet Hale-Bopp. And to many of the Hopi, that was the twins returning. The a matter of fact, they have a ring that was made by the Hopi a long, long time ago, and it has on it a red comet with two white tails coming out of it and three blue tails. And we are told that first the twins would come, and that the twins, the story of the twins is that one had domain over the North Pole and one had domain over the South Pole. That would indicate spiritual connection. And many of the indigenous prophecies and stories were told, I say stories because that's how indigenous people, that's how they've carried their knowledge. It's basically an oral tradition. So the stories are our, our history. They're, they're, and in, in the, 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 again, the North and South Pole has to do with spiritual entry and spiritual exit. If we take that and apply that toward Admiral Byrd, went up to the North Pole and found an entrance into the Earth. If we take that and we, we, we follow many of the dances that, that Indians will do uh, as they're getting preparing for the spirit world the, the, and the acknowledgement of the spirit way, and when we work with the medicine wheel, we're always told that the South is where our spirit comes from and where our spirit goes. So there's a spiritual connection to this. If uh, Comet Hale-Bopp was, as you suggested, uh as you suggested, what then comes next? What then comes next is the purifier. The purifier is the red comet that will be seen in our heavens and that it will basically come into, you know, we'll be able to see it in our solar system. And when it comes, it will become stationary. It will stay in one place and it will observe and it will see what we have learned and how we have changed our ways. If we have changed our ways and walk in balance, then perhaps... We can, we can change the outcome. Otherwise, the purifier comes to put things back into balance. In other words, if we don't change it, then 
the forces of nature, the forces of creator will come to change it. Regarding good and evil, good and evil is in the ways that I look at it, good and evil is a myth. There is no good and evil. There is evil intent, which is usually born of man. But in the creation itself and all that is, there is no good and evil. There simply is. It's a state of isness. There is no judgment. The creator could not judge itself, himself, herself, or else in the moment that it judged, it would cease to be. But what we're talking about is our connection to these star beings, which, you know, we are absolutely in a stage of growth. We haven't even finished growing yet. Our skulls are literally still movable. That's why we have so much craniosacral work being done. And if we go back to, which is now fairly accessible knowledge, and you can get up through the website even, you can go and see many of the burial sites in South America, which you'll see beings in skulls, physical skulls, where they had elongated skulls, very similar to what we see in the Egyptian story. And again, those stories are coming together now. What we're dealing with is our own traits, and we're dealing with our own inner war. If there's an Armageddon, the Armageddon is occurring within, it's occurring within the DNA as the DNA learns how to adjust to itself. As we learn how to merge all these different beings that we are, these different consciousnesses that have been put into our DNA, we hold over 22 different strands of DNA in our blood that for years we were told, well, they were just excess DNA, we didn't know what to do with it. You know, it's like when they look at the brain and they go, it's just gray matter. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of stuff happens in the gray then. And um, where we are now is that we are about to go through a growth stage. A lot of people use the word, sometimes I think perhaps it's the language that we use. You know, to say it's the end time could be taken very negatively, or we could say it's the beginning time. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's, it's where we now go into the next stage of growth. This is where the whole new dream occurs. Perhaps everything that we've been told for the last 5,000 years, especially the last 2,000 years in, in sanctioned religion, perhaps has to do with a whole bigger story that is about to unfold and is unfolding as we walk through it. So when you say the dream is over, you could also say, and the dream is about to begin. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, well, the winter time comes and it looks like everything's dying. But the one thing you know is that in the spring the grass will come back, the leaves will come back. Maybe it's not what it appears to be. That perhaps... In fact, we are literally reconstructing human consciousness at this very moment to create what tomorrow will be. All right. Wildcard Line, you're on the air with Robert Ghostwolf. Hi. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. I have a couple questions here. Um, listening earlier, and I do believe you were talking about the lack of minerals in, uh, yes. in people's bodies is, yes. is a problem. Is that, is that correct? Yes. Oh. Yes. Okay. Now, my next question is, um, if you, say, for example, in your magnetic water, water condition, uh, if you change the properties of the minerals, wouldn't that, in, in effect, change the properties in us? No. No, absolutely not. The minerals uh, remain minerals. All that the magnetics do, uh, you change the properties or even remove the minerals when you use machines and moving parts. I don't want to turn this into a commercial, but the magnetics only affect the minerals uh, with regard to how they stick to uh, 
pipes and appliances and metal and that sort of thing. Uh, they still do you the same good in your body when they get into your body. Okay, well, if they don't stick to pipes, say, copper, iron, right. well, our bodies are composed of copper and iron, so wouldn't those no, 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 not no. stick to us? No, they're not composed of copper and iron. They contain no, no, our bodies do have that in us. They contain copper and iron. Right. And they right. require copper and iron. Right. So, so uh, yes, I'm... in turn stick to the copper and iron in our bodies? That, is, that is not how we absorb minerals, sir. <laughs> in other words, it doesn't pass by some copper and suddenly stick to that, and then you have additional copper. That's what you're trying to say. No, 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 no. no. That's not what I'm saying. Um, what I'm saying is the, the certain minerals, how they stick to the copper in your, say, for example, in your pipes. Well, wouldn't that, if there are little copper fragments in our bodies, wouldn't those minerals also stick to that copper, which our bodies, that's how it was made naturally? No. No, you, 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 it's not exactly right. I mean, you're sort of right, but you're not right. Yeah, it's just a I mean, there, 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 there is that sort of situation happening in our bodies now with calcification. Okay, like our, our, our intestines and a lot of people are calcifying. There is calcified uh, mucus that builds up in, in, inside the body, inside the bloodstream, inside the veins, inside the arteries. And this is what blocks the flow and the movement. Everything, you know, everything is movement. We live in a moving world. We live in a moving universe. And they block up. What, what this does in, 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 in water is, like Art's saying, it, it moves things so that things flow. And what it, what it also does is it keeps the molecules from, like, like um, uh, clogging up on each other so that we can't absorb them. Yes. And, and then it, it, it separates them. It makes them move again. They, they now move at a higher frequency. And then all of a sudden, we start absorbing them again. And it's, it's, it's amazing what little work it does, does and how short a period of time that we can change our whole attitude simply because of a lack of a mineral. To uh, answer your question, caller, when you use traditional conditioning, it washes and backwashes and uses chemicals and removes uh, what you really need. Correct. And that's what you don't want. Uh, anyway, I don't want to turn this into a giant commercial. I hope that answers your question. Okay, I just had one more quick question. So, in turn, if uh, the magnetics change the water, keep it flowing freely through the pipes, would that not, in turn, uh, help us to keep us flowing freely? Yes. Okay. All right. Okay, you have a good night, John. All right, thank you very much. Uh, east of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Ghostwolf. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Tim, and I'm in Oasis, Kansas. Hi, Tim. Um, yeah, I've got a question about, uh, well, I am a... Christian by nature, and uh, I'm kind of, it, it sounds like, uh, oh, it, by prophecy of revelations, the second coming of Jesus, except for it says in the Bible that we're not going to be able to amend our ways, and he's going to destroy, um, uh, he's going to destroy humankind and then raise up the, the people that were saved. Um, it sounds a lot like it, and um uh, gosh. Get to the question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to figure out. Um, I've been thinking when when you said the uh, the the comet that was stationary. Um, purifier. What, the yeah. purifier. Yes. The purifier, as I understand Hopi prophecy, will come and take a look see. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Well, that sounds like uh, in the revelations where um, Jesus is going to come down. He won't set foot on the earth, but then he's going to cast judgment. 
That sounds a lot like it. And it sounds a lot like it is correct. Thank you, caller. He's he's correct. It sounds a lot like it. There are many, many, many parallels. Don't you mention you get, get a lot of harmonics. Uh, be, be, between uh, biblical Christian belief and uh, Native American prophecy, many, many, many uh, parallels. Is that uh, discussed? Is uh, among elders? Is that recognized, uh, or is it discarded? It's discussed amongst elders. It's, it's discussed amongst many people. And again, from my experience, as I've traveled with different people, as I've sat down and listened to what the Inca had to say or what the Maori had to say or what the Mayan people had to say or when I was in Europe and I studied with the, the indigenous people there, you know, I mean, they have incredible indigenous people up in Lapland and they have incredible indigenous people in Greece and in and, and, and Hungary. <clears throat> um, what... What, it, but what is always amazing is, is the commonality of many of the messages, but the difference in deliverance. It's just the difference in deliverance. We work with, in the, in the Native American way that we look, is always tied to the earth. It's always tied to where we are and what we're doing. We, we don't tend to uh, disacknowledge our existence on the physical plane. It's part of the spirituality. All right, Robert, can you do one more hour? I can, yeah, we can go all the way, Art. Uh, so we shall then. Absolutely Fresh Flowers is a flower farm in Southern California. The only thing they do is grow miniature carnations. They ship them out by FedEx, so they arrive next day at their intended destination. No doubt you're dancing queen. Inside, a note from you with your message of love. That is what we've been talking about this night, you know. Love, really. Your message of love and your name at the bottom. Try it. Believe me, it works. The number is one. Oh, it's $42.95. Tax in California. No tax anywhere else. Forty-two ninety-five. Absolutely fresh flowers. The number is 1-800-562-6438. That's 1-800-562-6438. I'm Art Bell. Robert Ghost Wolf is my guest, and this is Ghost Dance.
out in the high desert, this is CBC. If you're east of the Rockies, the toll-free number is 800-825-5033. If you've never called ART before, you may use the first-time caller line at area code 702-727-1222. And the wild card line is area code 702-727-1295. When you get through, let it ring, and ART will answer your call in order on the air. This is the CBC Radio Network. West of the Rockies at 1-800-618-8255. 1-800-618-8255. East of the Rockies at 1-800-825-5033. 1-800-825-5033. This is the CBC Radio Network. It is. I'm Art Bell, and this is yet another cut from a Permac 3. Nobody's got their hands on this one yet, but I do. Thanks to higher octave. The name of this cut is Grump. <laughs> Thank you very much, Michael Holm. It's called Grump, Big Water. Good morning, everybody. Robert Goswolf uh, will be right back. All right, uh, back now uh, to my guest, uh, Robert Goswolf. Robert, how are you hanging in there? Oh, we're hanging in okay. All right. I was I was thinking about something that might be interesting. We're talking about different parallels and between um, different prophecies. Um, historically, we're going through an incredible parallel right now. Um, when when the Europeans came over here, basically everything was free. The land was open. Everybody moved. Sure. It was an incredible place, full of abundance. All they saw was a great retail store. <laughs> And what, what, where we are now is that if, if we go back to the 19th century, if we go just prior to, say, 1890, we realize that the entire world of the Native American disappeared in less than one generation. Less well, than one generation. There is another world disappearing. Here's the facts for you. Canadian television news this evening is reporting that scientists have indicated they believe the salmon run this year has been changed by the unusually warm Pacific waters. Instead of coming down the west coast of Vancouver Island through the Straits of Juan de Fuca and up the Fraser River, the salmon this year are avoiding the warm waters in the Pacific, and they're coming down the east coast of Vancouver Island and up the Fraser River. Wow. Mm -hmm. So, um, more evidence. More evidence. 
more evidence. And there's also, you know, I used to go salmon fishing a lot up in that area because I lived in that area for a long time. And uh, I know I've gotten a lot of calls from my friends this year that there's no salmon. Uh, here, I think, is a, a right on target uh, question. The survivors, if any, of a global environmental catastrophe resulting from human activities would be forced into changing their relationship with the planet from the same level of unfettered reactive self-interest as a child who avoids putting his hand on the stove after being painfully burned. Would this be such a bad thing if we refuse to learn the lesson any other way? When the preservation of profits, jobs, and status quo power structures is the entrenched prime directive of most governing bodies, what real chance is there to throttle back the immensely destructive human economic footprint on Earth politically viable half and quarter measures only postpone the inevitable? Are we likely to respond anything less than shock treatment? Well, that goes back to a lot of the prophecies you've been talking about tonight. Yes. Uh, that if we don't change it, then a greater hand will move it. And, yeah, we, we, have, we have become so entrenched in everything that we were caught in our own labyrinth. We, we don't know how to get out of the labyrinth. Um, the, the situation here is that I think that as, as these changes continue, as, as this quickening intensifies, we are going to be forced to deal with our humanity. Um, yes, it's a terrible thing to have floods. It's a terrible thing to have tornadoes. It's a terrible thing to have natural disasters. But, you know, in my experience, in my short little dance here on this earth, it's amazing what happens to people when something like that happens. It's amazing how their differences are dropped. It's amazing how they start to work together. It's amazing how they pull out of something. Well, here's another good reason to do it. Dear Art, the Associated Press just reported that North America's largest glacier is melting fast. The Bering Glacier in Alaska has lost some 50 square miles in surface area and has shrunk 7.4 miles. Sections of the 118-mile-long glacier, which originates in Canada's Yukon Territory, terminates near the Gulf of Alaska, have thinned by up to 180 yards, about 20 to 25 percent of its total thickness. Other shrinking glaciers now reported in Argentina, Peru, Iceland, Norway, and New Zealand. I mean, really, folks, uh, how many bells have to go off? Is that a play on words? Uh-uh. Well, uh, I, I guess it sounded that way, but... Uh, <laughs> <it> was, <laughs> no. That was good. I like that. Yeah. It, 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 I, I think also that uh, people... Uh, well, there, there's something else about the glaciers melting up around Alaska that, that haven't been brought out yet, and, and that is that they are finding out uh, evidences of other civilizations prior to what we call, you know, contemporary history. Sure. Um, they are now discovering things and artifacts that indicate that something was going on up there uh, probably before the glacial period. Uh, and I'm sure that some of this is going to hit the news very soon. Um, but I thought that was pretty amazing. And also, do we ever hear anything more about the big chunk that was breaking off in the South Pole? Uh, you mean the Antarctic? Right. Uh, um, that would be the, the big one. Yes, it is. Uh, they expect it within 18 months. Mm -hmm. And I think that's considered well, that, that by the scientists. I, I think it's considered by the scientists to be a sure thing. We, that, will, that would definitely fall into the nine of, uh, line with the, 18, with the 1998 um, cycle. Yeah, and if the Ross Ice Shelf should follow suit, 
We've got big troubles. Uh, Wildcard Line, you're on the air with Robert Ghostwolf. Good morning. Um, good morning, Art. This is Kathy in Reno. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Mr. Ghostwolf. It's a, it's an honor. Um, we weren't intending upon calling this evening, but something has come up that we wanted to maybe alert you to, and it's quite ironic that you guys brought up comets. As is the case every evening when we listen to your show, Art, um, we sit out and watch the stars, and for some crazy reason, there's a what we can deem as no other thing other than being a comet is uh, sitting out there, and it's not hail Um And if I could give you gentlemen the coordinates, that'd be kind of neat. Maybe somebody else could see it. Well, what are you seeing? Where is it you're seeing it? If okay. you actually have coordinates, sure. Uh, well, I've, well, I've got the coordinates as best I can, you know, from sitting here at my home in Reno. It's, uh, and we've been watching it since 10 o'clock. Um, has it been stationary? Yes, it has, as a matter of fact, and there is no cloud cover tonight. Um, okay. Looking Meaning, when I say stationary, are the other stars moving and it's in the same place? Oh, no, no, no. Uh, no, it's moving with them. Okay. It's moving along. Um, Alrighty, here's the coordinates. Uh, I look straight east out my back window. You know the big W that's off to an angle, or here in my book it says Cassiopeia? Okay. Looks like a big giant W to the east, northeast. If you jog over just a few degrees, um, there's a series of three stars leading up to this, and you can't see this little glow unless you're looking through um, either binoculars or a telescope, but it is, that is all that we can figure out that it is, and there's not supposed to be one sitting there. Um, currently, the big W is sitting right at 10 o'clock, and it is just, well, if you held your hand up maybe three to four inches to the right of the big W, also sitting at 10 o'clock. Um, it'd be kind of cool if some other people could get out there and see if they couldn't walk in on that and... Well, you know they will, and we'll get reports, so let's um, see what we get. Kind of ironic. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, and Thank you. Uh, have a good morning. Uh, first time caller line, you're on the air with Robert Ghostwolf. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I'm very surprised you mentioned the Bering Glacier. I'm sitting 60 miles from it. Are you? Yeah, wow. I'm yes, I'm calling from Prince William Sound. We've also had no fish this year. It's been very interesting. Um... I like also Art Bell, your book, The Quickening, and I do like the drumming. I'd like to mention that one time I began singing and a ceremonial drum flew across the wall, hit me in the back of the knees, and then the drumstick flew. <laughs> I did have a question for Mr. Ghostworth, if he wouldn't mind taking the time. That's what um, I've spent years with Tibetans who said that I should probably work on uniting the four colors and I've spent several years in spirit lodges within Montana, and I've reached this point that I seem to be surpassing the people that I'm surrounded by. I tend to find more anger, hatred, viciousness. I'm exhilarated about the point I'm achieving, and yet I feel a sadness in leaving these people behind. I don't know whether to stay and continue to try you know, one hand toward the people and the other hand toward the creator, or to return to the people that are working on this same level. I'm very confused. I think that you have to, you know, we, we, 
everyone who's on the path, so to speak, goes through that part of the pathway. And when, when we start to see the flaws in the teacher, when we start to see the humanness in the teacher, it means that we have absorbed everything that we have to absorb from that area. Um, and then what we come through is, is we, we then open up within ourselves the third eye. We open up the upper chakras. We start to see. And what we have to be cautious of at that point is that our vision, our sight, does not become negative, that we do not become jaded by what we're seeing because we're not seeing it to judge. We're being given the opportunity to see it so we can evaluate and move forward. It's usually at that point, once you deal with that part of it, that the student then becomes the teacher themselves. Oh, that's right. amazing. I, I, found, I find myself overwhelmingly full of love and peace, but somewhat frustrated with those who don't seem to hear it. I appreciate your time, and I'm, I appreciate Art Bell for having you on. Thank, Thank you very, you very much. much. Thank you. Um, Robert, I'm getting a lot of messages like the following. I called the number given to order Robert's manuscript. Uh, it is a voicemail number and does not give the option of leaving a message and is full. Is it simply because the line is busy and I can't get through or what? It could possibly be because we're over inundated with phone calls. You know, again, try 509-465-1606. Um, that's, that, that's the number they're, they're apparently getting this... Uh, well, then, what might happen is if, if she's on the line, then it'll automatically go over to a mail because she can only handle one phone call at a time. Unfortunately, I don't, I don't have more than one phone available. Um, but the vo and I think we gave out the voicemail number, which was 509-623-2496. Those are the only two lines that we have available at this point. Anyway, it's not going to matter because these manuscripts are going to be gone, uh, if not already soon. So, um, but, well, if they keep trying, they can also order the book. That's right. So if you run out of the manuscript, you can order the book, and then you'll be one of the first ones to get it, because I'm, from what I understand, I think we're, we have almost two-thirds of the, the, the book already ordered. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, back to the phones. East of the Rockies, you're on the air uh, with Robert Ghostwolf. Hi. Hi. This is John in Wichita, Kansas. Hi, John. Uh, need to ask Robert if the prophecies tell anything about us lost souls that are Caucasian and mixed Native Americans that can find no records of our past generations. Are we going to be lost in limbo? You'll not be lost in limbo. No way will you be lost in limbo. I, I'm, I'm Your, the Mete, the Mete's people are perhaps the largest body of people here in the Turtle, you know. I we, cannot find my grandmother's records anywhere I've called all the nations. There was a lot that happened in those times, you know, that now everybody's concerned with numbers and things. And mm -hmm. there were many people, I mean, you know, who had to run, who had to hide their Indianism, that had to hide their heritage, because if they didn't, it was a matter of survival. They had to do that. They, they didn't teach their children the ways. And now what's happening is we're waking up to that. That's part of what this ghost dance is about. I think we're all soulmates in the end. You won't be lost. The earth doesn't give up her children. Well, I thank you and Art for being here tonight. And, uh, okay. Godspeed. Thank you, my friend. Take care. Uh, west of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Yes, hello. How are you? Fine. We're both fine. Uh, Robert, what? You're, you're precious. Thank you very much from the Art. I, you're, you're so in tune. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, 
I'm I'm real nervous, and I I guess I'm kind of maybe reiterating some things that you already said. But um, uh, Robert, um, a history is kept of of people who lived in the American continent um, many years ago and was destroyed, and they were destroyed, and it was before Christopher Columbus came, and about 150 years ago it was found and translated, and um, it's called the Book of Mormon. And I'm wondering, have you read any of the information? It was written basically so that we wouldn't repeat the same mistakes that they made um, as far as spiritually and different things. And I was wondering, do you have any comment on that? Have you read it or heard about it or anything? I haven't read the Book of Mormon. Okay. Um, I've read parts of it. I've, right. had, I've had people talk to me about it. Right. Um, I spend a lot of time in Utah, and there are people in my world that are Mormon, mm -hmm. um, there are many, many truths in the book. There are many, many truths in the book. I, I, I definitely believe that. And I, I also, um, my personal quest is to bring forth the rest of the truths. And, and, I, and I, that's what's precious about you, because I know that in the translation, there had to have been a lot that was lost. Um, in the history and, and there's a lot of it in my book, Last Cry, and I'm working on a new book now, uh, which has no name yet because it's just the information that's coming out. But, you, you know, many of the stories are very old. Mm -hmm. And they go back to a time before anybody was here when this was still the Red Lamp. Right. And uh, we, we, we are now bringing all those pieces together. That's part of, like... In the chaos, that's part of what's so wonderful about this time, is that the information is falling into place. It seems to be coming out out of everywhere. It's exuding out of the rocks. It's coming out of the caves in South America. We're finding pieces of Egyptian pottery in Peru. Um, we're, we're finding, you know, Mayan artifacts in New Zealand. I mean, it's, it's all starting to come together, so maybe this veil is going to be lifted. I do believe that, and, and I, I do believe what you say, that there are many pieces, and, and I kind of wonder if maybe the Native Americans aren't the ones that, that have the gift to bring it all together. I mean, I know there's a lot of people, but I, I, I kind of have a special place in my heart for them. Um, also, I just want to mention that in our religion, we also um, have, um, and I say my religion because that's what I know, I'm sure a lot of people have the same kind of description, but we, we have... Uh, a belief that at the second coming that the earth will become a crystal sphere in the millennium mm -hmm. and it and, and that seems to kind of go along with what you're what you're saying and and your words are much more articulate than than, than what our words. when we when we move through the shift and the other side of the shift we will essentially be in the world of light and when we are in the world of light we will be in a crystal universe which is the true nature of the universe right now we're looking at things through a warped eye of third dimensional reality which is really very narrow and we're, we're looking at ourselves and declaring the whole universe it's it's sort of like some little guy sitting in the middle of france in the 12th century trying to tell you what the world was like right. and and now we're looking at the world through like the same eye you know and we're, we're going back reading a lot of documents especially through european history where it's so new and it was such a, a naive world that it, 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 they were afraid to look out and talk to everybody else to see what the commonalities were. 
And now what's happening is in this information age that we're in, we're exploding with the knowledge. And this is, again, where we have to trust within that inner guidance within ourselves, you know, that lets us know that when your heart tells you this is what it is, you know that that's what it is. The mind can play tricks. The intellect cannot have complete information. But the heart is always true. I'd like to know more about your next book. I know probably just in planning stages or maybe just in your head right now or beginning to be in your head. The book I was just talking about? Yeah, your next one. Um, well, the next book is called The uh, Return of the Nawal. It has to do with a lot of healing and, and principles on the higher level of working with energy, and that should be out in the fall or, or late winter. I never know when the publishers are going to put these things out. I hear you. Um, but the, the book that I'm, I'm working on now that I'm talking about has to do with the pale prophet. It has to do with the being who is known by many names. The Lakota called him Wekomatete. The Salish people uh, called him Tacoma. Um, down in, in South America, they called him Quetzalcoatl. Uh, in Peru, he was known as Amaru. Um, this being seemed to spread a very similar doctrine that we talked to about. Robert, hold tight. We're at the bottom okay. there. We'll be right back. I'm Art Bell. This is CBC. Taking calls on the wild card line at 702-727-1295. That's 702-727-1295. First-time callers can reach Art Bell at 702-727-1222. 702-727-1222. Now, here again, Art Bell. <laughs> Well, good morning. My guest, my guest is Robert Ghost Wolf, and he'll be back in a moment. All right. Uh, this is something that I think uh, Mr. Ghost Wolf and myself both should address. I, too, wrote a book, as you know. It's called The Quickening. This book, uh, this book just came from me. I had no intention of writing another book, none at all. But through the years of watching what was going on, it was a book I had to write. And it documents what is going on right now. I am not a prophet. 
of any sort, modern or ancient, so I don't try to tell you where it's going. I, I don't really know. These are questions for other people. But a faxer uh, has asked me a question that I think deserves uh, deserves addressing. And, and by the way, you can get my book, The Quickening, and I, I surely recommend it because it does uh, very carefully document some very frightening changes that are going on in our society. Very, very frightening. You can get it now in any bookstore. You just go to a bookstore and ask for the quickening. But there's a criticism, and it's worthy, um, a challenge. You aren't, have occasionally spoken of your concern that by dwelling on the frightening aspects of the quickening, you may be helping to create it. Uh, some of the discussion this morning has been about how we create our own reality. And from me in the quickening and from Robert in much of uh, Native American prophecy, there is the same. And I don't deny it, and I've considered it carefully. I went ahead and documented what I saw going on. But Robert, this faxer is in some ways correct. When you dwell on the, uh, the negative, when you dwell on what's going on, even if it is real, do you, do, you, uh, do you add to that growing reality? I think, Art, that the key word here is dwell. I think when we turn around and when, you know, prophecy is, is a potential outcome, it's a potential reality, it's a future reality. And when we, when we give prophecy in the gender of this is what could happen. When we give prophecy, uh, that's prophecy. But when we're talking about dwelling on the negative, if I don't know that there's a storm coming, mm -hmm. then how will I know to prepare? If I know what the facts are, which is something that I tried to get out to the best of my ability in the last cry, if, if I get the facts out, without my own personal coloring to it, mm -hmm. then people can assimilate the knowledge of that on their own and at least be prepared for what will come, not that they're taken by surprise. When we reach a point that we're talking about, if you don't do something in the next 90 days, you're going to have a serious problem in your oceans. I mean, Jacques Cousteau talked about that in 1989. I know. When, when we have been crying out for so long that we don't really need to, to use all this fossil fuel and to do all the stuff that we're doing, and we're being run by industry and corporations that say it has to be this way and we're not going to let this out and we can't let that out because it will ruin our financial purse. Well, when people have got to know what the alternative is. They've got to know what's coming. I don't think that that's a negative at all. I think that that's a positive, providing that we always address the other side of the coin. You know, there's a dark side and a light side to things. What would you say to people that fully understanding what is coming uh, and understanding that if they maintain their present lifestyle and their way of doing things and treating the planet, it's going to result in something awful and yet plow ahead anyway? What I say to them? Yeah, what do you say to them? Because it's the majority right now. Yes, yeah, the majority, but I think I think that a lot of a lot of what's happening right now from all these occurrences and things that we're seeing in the sky, um, 
whether you want to believe that they're ships or whether you want to believe it's the government manipulating holograms, their flares being trained to fly with porpoises in the sky in formation. Um, what, 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 what we're seeing and what we're seeing with all the artifacts that are being found, what we're seeing with, with what is eventually going to be disclosed on Mars and Cydonia as, as the fact that we did have a previous route beyond this planet, um, which, you know, it, it, if we look at the evidence, it's overwhelming. But what we're, what we're seeing here is that there is something bigger than us and that we are part of a bigger picture. And we're being directed to look at that bigger picture. We're almost being forced to look at that bigger picture. We're being so homogenized into Earth beings now Perhaps this is the preparation for the galactic relationship. How can we expect to have galactic relationships when we can't even have a healthy relationship on this planet? Um, I, I think that everything is, is happening to, to bring us into that oneness. So it's an absolute positive situation. And everything that I put through, and if it's not in Last Cry once, it's in there a thousand times, everything that we have is choice. We have always been given choice. We are not being led down, you know, a narrow pathway to hell. We, we have choice at any moment to participate or not to participate. We have the choice to be awake or to not be awake. And, and that's the way it's going to be. And for the people who are seeing, they've got to learn that there may be other people that may be asleep right next to them, and, and that's okay. John Lennon taught us about that. I can't wake everybody up, he said. No. But but we have to get the word out as we see it. I, I know that when I listen to your show and I listen to all these you know incredible people that call up and talk, it's it, it's such an incredible thing to have the play the playback from people instead of just a one way show where the information is going out and you're not getting any feedback. But I I think that people have the ability to discern what is really happening, and they have the opportunity to hear the unbiased information before it comes to them colored. Right, and, and previous to this time of the information age, we didn't have that luxury. Now we do. And maybe the upstart of a lot of things and, and the charging of situations is that a lot of it's coming out as it's being discovered. We oh. haven't had time to color it yet. What I do is I assume, and I try to give uh, information to my listeners through, from guests or from myself, and just relate it, and I assume that they're adults and can assimilate it uh, and will either accept it, um, understanding it, or reject it, uh, but they're adults and they can decide for themselves. This is serious information. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Ghostwolf. Hi. Hi, um, my name is Tom. I'm calling from northwestern Pennsylvania, North, yeah, northwestern Pennsylvania, sorry. Hi, Tom. Hi. Um, I called you before, and I had... Uh, I wanted to ask Mr. Ghostwolf if he's uh, ever heard of Mary Summer, and probably sure he has. Yes, sir. Um, she uh, works with the uh, rights of the, the teachings that she received from a uh, uh, American Native American prophet named No Eyes. Mm -hmm. I'm very familiar with them. Okay, and I wanted to know what he had thought of her and her well, the writings. <laughs> I think that the information that Noah shared has to be paid a lot of attention to. Okay. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Ghostwolf. Hi. Art. Yes, Phoenix. Hi, Steve. How are you? How are you, Robert? Hi. Uh, listen, uh, this has been all over the news lately. Uh, I heard again today uh, about the skull they found 
apparently it wasn't supposed to be what it was supposed to be with the uh, with the Native American Indians, I believe, and it was a Caucasian skull, and uh, so apparently um, it was confiscated. Uh, scientists wanted to study it. I, I think it was the, the Indian authorities. I'm not sure if it was the... Uh, the government that took it away. Do you, do you know about that? I haven't heard anything about that. No. I'm, All over the news. I, I've heard something about it, uh, but I don't exactly recall what. I think they had not quite decided what it was. Something like that. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. Well, the first time I heard it, they 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 they, they said it was a, a Caucasian uh, was here. Apparently, there. This sounds like a hoax before the Native American Indian. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a government hoax to me, but. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, uh, nice to talk to you. All right, thank you very much for the call. Yeah, I've heard something about that, but I don't know the whole story, and I'm not even sure it's out yet. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Ghostwolf. Hi. Yes, uh, Robert, you mentioned uh, something about we were in our own created labyrinths. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to make a comment about that, that what you're speaking of is mazes, and in a true labyrinth there are no dead ends or... No wrong ways. True. We all follow are following our paths, and someone like you or Jeffrey Dahmer would have an equally uh, meaningful uh, story, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I don't believe there are any dead ends. Yes, yeah, so I was just uh, just changes the direction. Exactly. All right. Sounds like you uh, agree. First time caller line, you're on the air with uh, Robert Morning Sky. Hi, uh, Robert Hi, Morning Robert. Sky. Robert goes for I'm never going to get it straight. What I was, this is Gail in Oregon. Hi, Gail. Hi, and I'm just too excited to finally get through. But I wanted to ask a practical question. It's quite obvious with all the information coming in that we need to be inclusive, not exclusive, on a physical plane as well as spiritually. But with this chaos, coming and all the the hard times coming we know how we react everybody's going to be in the in the streets with guns how do we how do we approach that i mean we can't just walk up to these guns and and sing and dance how do we start our spiritual journey and come together oh that's a hard question well why can't you sing and dance well you know let, let, let me let, let me just share a story with you want to share with your story yeah okay it's like uh, there was this warrior, and this, this warrior was standing by the side of a river, and he was a great warrior, and he had killed many people, and he was very brave, and, and all sorts of whatever that they wear to show how brave he was and how, how good he was at his prowess, you know, of, of slaughtering people. And he came up to a being who was down, crouched over, leaning and drinking some water from the river, and he raised up his sword, and he was all set to lop the guy's head off, you know, and the guy turned around and looked at him and had absolutely no judgment and nothing but love coming out of his eyes. And in that moment, in that one moment, see, the the conquest was completely taken away from the warrior because mm-hmm. the attitude was, take me if that's your will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If, if you don't charge a situation, you won't be charged. You can walk right through a ghetto on a Friday night at 2 o'clock in the morning, yeah. and if you're not charged with the energy and you're not walking in judgment, you'll walk right through that. I wouldn't suggest people try it. Yes, I've had that experience. Though. And, and it's, it's the same. If I give you no contest, then where's, where's the victory? Mm-hmm. There is no need for a victory. And it, it, if, if you want to go and you want to maraud, well, 
okay, as far as people who don't want to experience that, well, you don't have to live in the middle of West L.A. You could get out. You could go and live on, you know, a lot somewhere with a, a single wide somewhere and live in the country. You could do that. You could make that choice. Mm-hmm. But it's a matter of what is your choice. And, and I think that this, again, goes back a little bit to what Art and I were talking about. If, if you dwell on the negativity, well, then you're going to draw yourself to that negativity. Mm. It's like, yes, there are those kinds of people. Yes, there are extraterrestrials that aren't nice. Yes, there are extraterrestrials that really are like Spock. It's it's like which one do you want to gravitate to? It's it's like in, in in your life, if you're happy and you're full of giving, you're going to draw those kind of people to you. Where where if if you're you're constantly belittling yourself and slamming yourself down and I'm not worthy and this isn't worthy, well then you're going to draw that kind of people to you. You're going to draw that kind of energy because it's all energy. See, we're we're stuck in third dimensional reality. We think it's reality. It's not. It's an illusion. Right. Everything is, is, you know, I had a friend once who I called the coffee shop guru and he turned around and he says, I got it. He says, after years of trying to write a book and do everything, I said, what? What did you get? And his eyes lit up and he went, it's all magnets. (laughs) <laughs> thank you very much yes thank you all right take care uh east of the rockies you're on the air with robert Ghostwolf. hello hello good morning mr Ghostwolf, and good morning mr forgets the name yeah there you go thank how you. are you doing yeah. um uh, i have a question for mr Ghostwolf. um i'm from uh southwest minnesota uh old prairie country uh state park um just a few miles north of my town still has a nice herd of uh of american bison and when I was a, a junior in high school, I had the privilege of being at a youth speakers forum at the state capitol, at which Clyde Bellacourt spoke. Um, do you know Mr. Bellacourt at all? I don't know him. Um, well, he shared a on, on the last day of our uh, of our speakers forum, he shared a uh, a pipe ceremony with us. Hmm. And uh, ever since then, um, you know, uh, even before that, just because of the area I grew up in, um, with uh, you know, the Rocky Prairie Bluffs and Preserved Prairie. I felt a real uh, uh, spiritual kinship to the to the land, and I think that that is one of the things that is missing the most in in American society, where it's it's become a commodity and not a not a true spiritual resource. Mm-hmm. And I can't help but notice that the parallels between uh, the Tibetan Buddhism that people have been mentioning all night long, um, the story you just recounted about the uh, the warrior who uh, didn't uh, sever the head of uh, uh, of, of a potential victim, uh, you know, likens to the story of, uh, of King Ashoka, who, uh, upon meeting uh, Buddha and hearing that Buddhism, renounced uh, his warrior ways and became one of the great uh, distributors of, of Buddhism throughout the uh, Southeast Asia. And uh, keep up the good work, gentlemen, and uh, don't lose any of the... Uh... I'll share one thing with you. Okay. Part of the thing of the ghost dance is that when the ghost dance was performed, it was believed that the buffalo would return. And one of the other prophecies that I speak about a lot, and it's in my book and it's up on my website, is about the white buffalo calf woman. And something that I can't disclose where, but I've got it now from 12 different sources, that the fourth white buffalo calf has been born. Really? So, there was one that happened... Um south of where um, I live currently, which is in Madison, Wisconsin. I think it was in Beloit or Janesville. Yeah. About two years ago, there was a white buffalo calf born. 
and it uh, it was it was a, a popular news item among uh, you know, the, the novelty journalists and the um, Native Americans who who truly uh, uh, felt the meaning of the prophecy. Mm -hmm. One of the the earlier terms for the ghost dance was the buffalo dance. Hmm. Yeah, that was performed uh, frequently by the by the Lakota people of uh, of the area which I come from. Oh. But it's a beautiful area. If, um, yes, it is. You live in the nor in the Pacific Northwest, is that correct? Yes. Um, sometimes, sometimes I'm in Arizona. Yeah, the the prairies of uh, of, of the state park just north of my hometown of uh, Laverne, Minnesota, is is really nice. There's a a, a rare prairie orchid that still grows there, um, and it's something like I think 1,200 uh, 1,200 acres of, of of pure untouched prairie, yeah. and it's Something you might be interested in looking up, because it might ring a lot of bells there, is if you look under uh, geological formations, you'll find out that that area, especially as you go toward the Black Hills, is, is, is literally, no, it's literally the oldest land here. Like going back when all the continents were together, mm -hmm. it's, it's the original earth that was part of this turtle. Caller, we've got a scoot. We're way out of time. Bye. Bye. Good. Right. Thank you very much. And uh, Robert? Uh, give out that number one more time, and everybody has to be patient. There's only one line, so... 509-465-1606. And they could try that throughout the day today, right? Yeah, they'll be able to get it. There's usually always somebody there. All right, good enough. Uh, there must be a way in uh, perhaps your Lakota native tongue to say goodnight to all the Americas. Robert, can you do that? Yeah. The Wawashtelaka, at home, Mitakriyasin. Remember, you're all one. <laughs> all right, my friend, uh, it has been a pleasure, as always, and we've made it through five full hours. Wow, I didn't even realize that went by. <laughs> Gone. You always do that to me. <laughs> well, uh, it, it's always so easy, Robert. Thank you. Thank you very much. And good night. That's Robert Ghostwolf, and that's about it, folks. That's all there is. And by the way, Robert Morning Sky, wherever you are, good night to you too. To all of you, good night.